Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And later on tonight, uh, we will hear a little clip from our friends there at the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, Tonight, uh, we have the People Against the NDA uh, talking about that, as well as the Solutions Institute. Uh, tonight we'll have on President Dan Johnson uh, to talk to us on the show. Uh, he'll give us about an hour, so we'll have uh, some questions for me for the first half, and then we'll go ahead and bring on uh, the panelists in the second half. And then second uh, half of the show, in the second hour, we will have uh, someone from Panda or people against the NDAA. And without any further ado, I believe I'll be bringing our guest on, and that is Dan, which is 
Also, <laughs> with the same area as our panelist, Dan, so let's hope I've got the right number here. Dan, thank you very much for calling to the show. How are you tonight? Well, if you, you get this one or the other guy? Well, I've got uh, two Dan's with the same number, so let me try the other one. Maybe there's a little uh, glitch here. Is this Dan Johnson on this line? This is. How you doing? That's uh, funny, but I got both Dan's showing up on my queue here with the same phone number. Isn't that something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no wonder I was like, because <laughs> on my studio uh, board here, they both have the same uh, phone number. Both you guys are Dan, so it's it's interesting <laughs> that it came up that way. No wonder I uh, got you first, uh, Dan. Uh our panelist, Dan, but let's go ahead and uh, get to it because we only have got about an hour uh, with him, Mr. Johnson. So first, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, what type of schooling you had, uh, perhaps where you attended. Um, what were those things that influenced you uh, that brought your interest in activism? Sure. I was uh, homeschooled growing up, so I was homeschooled from first grade all the way through uh, my senior year in high school. And eventually went to college and uh, spent two years there and, and uh, realized that out of those two years, only one class was ever worth attending for. So I uh, uh, quit college and continued uh, working on and decided to work on people against the NDAA full time. And uh, really along the way, uh, I would say a few different factors had a big uh, part to play in the successes and, and what I've been able to do. Uh, one is that I was homeschooled because it, it kind of avoids the government indoctrination centers and avoids this you must follow orders mentality that perpetuates the entire school system. So it left me with an open mind and then I came across a video back in November 2011 called 61 Senators Betrayed You Today. Now, I was taking political science uh, at Bowling Green State University at the time, but I was like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll get involved in politics when I've got my degree and four years is through, I'm done, I'll, I'll go run for city council or something. And uh, that video, 61 Senators Betrayed You Today, came up on my computer late night. I was procrastinating some homework. And I remember thinking, 61 Senators Betrayed Me Today? No. Nah, that, that can't be possible. And I watched the video. And it was a video on the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act. And it absolutely blew me out of the water. I, I, I remember sitting in front of my computer just going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't, I can't even believe this is happening. Because growing up, I had studied the rise and fall of the Third Reich. I had studied books like Rising Suns, which detailed the Japanese-American regiments in World War II and the Japanese-American detention here in the United States. And I remember thinking, oh, well, I know history can repeat itself, but that can never happen here. And uh, did about two months of research into that video and into the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act and decided on January 3rd that I was going to take it on and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. It pretty much went from uh, me and a Twitter account in my dorm room to today we've uh, passed, or Panda, had, my previous organization, passed uh, seven pieces of legislation, including all the way to the capital of New York, banning the laws of war from being applied to people who aren't in the military, 
to prevent military indefinite detention or detention without charge or trial from becoming a reality in the country. And and that I think that background of studying Nazi Germany and homeschooling um, combined with the Internet and combined with the video that I came across really is what sparked my involvement into political action. Okay, later on we'll have, uh, I believe, Dylan from Panda uh, on the second hour of the show. Uh, but is that how you got uh, hooked up with the organization, or how, how did that happen? I actually founded it. Um, on January 3rd, 2012, I started up a Twitter account and just started tweeting different people, and the NDA was a hot topic on Twitter at the time. So I just started tweeting different people, and uh, it kind of, grew from there, and, and Dylan, uh, who's on our national board, uh, he joined us about a year later and, and took on some different areas in Ohio, as well as some of their national board members took on different cities. But, yeah, I founded the organization at the ripe old age of uh, 18 in 2012. Okay, and we'll talk more, uh, we'll talk more about that later. But first... Um you know, in the second hour. So now you're uh, the president of the Solutions Institute. And so how did you get that started? And also, how did you acquire the staff that you have, uh, you know, on there, like the advisor staff so that I was reading about earlier today? Sure, yeah. I mean, one of the things I noticed when I was running Panda, I would talk to just about every person who uh, wanted to get engaged. I love to talk to them. I love to sit down with them. And one of the questions I would ask them is, why do you want to take back your community from the NDAA? Why do you want to take on the NDAA? And uh, I noticed that the answers I got were always something along the lines of, uh, oh, I want to see a freer country, or I want to have a better world for my children or I want to avoid a violent revolution. There is never an answer that, oh, I want to repeal the NDAA, or I want to take on indefinite detention. And what I realized was people weren't coming to us, people weren't joining the movement, people weren't taking back their towns because they wanted to fight the NDAA. They were taking back their communities, and they were working with us, because we had developed a way to fight back. They knew there was something wrong. They knew there was something dangerous going on in this country. And we had developed a way to fight back and push back, and they wanted to be a part of it. And I realized that those skills that I learned and that we learned in that movement could be applied to other places, could be applied to so many other areas. And uh, over time, thought, you know, maybe we'll put together a school for activists or, you know, we'll kind of see what comes about from it. And eventually... I wrote an article in June, from June to August of last year called, Is It Time for a Violent Revolution? And uh, it was the result of basically three months of research looking into the history of violent revolutions, looking into uh, what happened after violent revolutions all around the world, what the American Revolution really was, what it actually changed and uh, really put the nail in the coffin on any type of violent revolution saving this country or doing anything for this country. And I realized that since there, that option isn't available, that option isn't there, 
that we have to do everything we can to bring about a peaceful revolution and uh, realize that we needed to start teaching people the process. And so first, the first thing I did was I looked around, who is already doing this? I wanted to connect with a, an organization that had already been focusing on the process, focusing on the how-to. And I started looking around the Internet. I started doing some market research, started talking to several activists that I knew. And although several people had come up with an idea similar to the Solutions Institute where they wanted to focus on the process or the how-to of activism, most people hadn't actually, in fact, no one had actually acted on it. And it took me aback. I'm like, you mean no one has done this before? This is it? This is the first time? And I realized that this was sorely needed in activism today, in political action today. And so we, on January 1st, we officially launched the Solutions Institute, which is the first ever activist consulting firm and focuses, there's a lot of people out there who are listening to this radio show. There's a lot of people out there who aren't even listening to this radio show who know why they want to get engaged, who know why they want to do something, but they have no idea how. They do not know the process. They do not know the how-to and that is what the Solutions Institute is designed to focus on, not why, not the agendas that go into it, but the how-to. And when I created this idea and I approached several different activists about it, I asked uh, several of them, would you like to join me on this? Would you like to provide what you learned, what you know, what you figured out to the next generation of activists, so to speak? And uh, 26 of them said yes, and we have the Solutions Institute. Okay, and then you know most of the listeners on the show here are either uh, libertarian or you know constitutionalists, or, you know Republicans, conservatives, things of that nature. And I was going through the list of folks uh, who are some of the uh, advisor staff uh, that I've seen on the website. And one of the folks that came up, so I wanted to address it for my audience. So when they do their research on their site, uh, they may have some questions as well on it, uh, especially with uh, a lot of background that uh, the audience has. And um, particularly was uh, come up upon Alex Freeman. Uh, he's the guy for public relations. And in his bio, he states, um, Alex Freeman started his journal reporting on civil, civil liberties while in middle school, taking aim at Roy Moore and his courthouse commandments. Since then, his insistence on free speech has only grown. Now, for clarification, is that uh, in reference to Chief Justice Roy Moore, that uh, that was removed from office, and also, uh, you know, removed from office as a judge. And also, what did he? What was meant by that? Uh, Alex Freeman took aim at uh, Mr. Moore, or Chief Justice Moore. Now, this is Alex Freeman's bio, so I may get some of the facts wrong here, but I do believe that does refer to Chief Justice Moore. And uh, what Alex means by taking aim, I've seen some of the literature. He basically wrote letters, whether it's to the editor or uh, letters in some of the papers, uh, calling out some of the actions that he believed were wrong or in infringing on free speech. Uh, because of the Ten Commandments being out on the courthouse lawn? Right, and, and, and it's, a, it's a good thing to bring up because it kind of illustrates the breadth of the people we have on board with Solutions Institute. Each of our activist advisors, they have their own area of activism. For example, we've got people who helped organize no war in Syria protests and march against Monsanto protests. And then we have people who are organizing sustainable 
uh, music ventures, and we have people who write for uh, various journalistic sources, people who work for the Tenth Amendment Center. So we've got a broad political spectrum of advisors on board, and it does its best to illustrate that Solutions Institute doesn't take any position, any political position, besides good ideas don't require force. And beyond that, our breadth of advisors brings what they know from their sphere of activism, whether it's from the left, whether it's from the right, whether conservative, whether it's liberal, they bring that advice on the process to the forefront. And if anyone goes to our website, solutions-institute.org, and starts reading some of the articles, such as Event Planning 101, such as Three Tips on Green Screens, what they're going to see is although each of these activists, you can't take a bunch of activists and put them in a pot and say, well, now you're going to drop what got you into political action. That's not happening. But what we've done, if you look at the articles on the blog and if you talk to anyone who's been through individual training with us, is the activists take their agenda out of it and focus on the process. How were they successful in their particular area of political action? Alex Freeman obviously had some success in his area with the courthouse commandments. I've had some success people against the NDAA. Nick Burnaby has had some success with March Against Monsanto. And we're all coming together saying, look, we want more people to be engaged in political action. We want more people to actually be able to do something instead of just complaining about it. We have diverse backgrounds. We have various backgrounds of our own, and we have various religions. We have various political ideologies, but we've all come together under the same banner, and that is, A, good ideas don't require force, and B, activists should have someone they can go to, this phone a friend, some sort of tools, some sort of resources that they can go to and use regardless of what type of political action they're taking. Okay, that's actually a good segue to uh, uh, the next question. You pretty much uh, asked it, but I'll, I'll ask a question you really won't have to answer because you, you pretty much already did. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just going to bring up what is the function of uh, Solutions uh, Institute, and is it – just for any grassroots, and as I said, you already answered this, this is a question, is it for any grassroots effort, um, or does the organization support a certain ideology, and if so, what ideology does it support? Uh, but as I said, you already answered that. Uh, so, But, yeah, let's talk about the, some other folks uh, who are in the uh, organization. And here's one of the endorsements you got, and I'm bringing this one up, uh, and I'll tell folks why I brought this one, this one in particular up. And it said, I had the opportunity to work with and become friends with, uh, this is one of the advisors, Steve ben, uh, Besson, during my run for governor of Florida in 2014. Steve worked tirelessly for the campaign and was a tremendous asset to our team. His professionalism, media skills, and political instinct are matched only by a sincere desire to restore our constitutional republic. I have known him to be a man of integrity, principle, and solid work ethic. He is a leader in the liberty movement, and I highly recommend him to any project or campaign that could benefit from his direction and energy. And, folks, this was from Adrian Wiley, who is the chairman of the Florida Libertarian Party. And the reason why I picked him is uh, we've had uh, Adrian Wiley on the show uh, some time ago uh, and had an interview with him. So I uh, thought it was interesting to see something uh, from him that we've had on the show. Um, so let's go ahead and get to the next. I do at the bottom of the hour. I uh, want to be able to get uh, Dan and Kelly in. Uh, I'm sure they have some comments, questions. I've also seen somebody out there who's calling in from 917. Uh, if you drop the line, you're welcome to uh, give us a call back, and perhaps you'll get the opportunity to uh, 
speak with our guest as well tonight. And uh, so whoever had the 917 area code, if you'd like to call back and chime in, go ahead and give us a call back at 347-945-7428. But let's go ahead and get back to the questions so I can get uh, these finished and we can bring in uh, other panelists. And that is, uh, besides the People Against the NDA organization, uh, the Solutions Institute has assisted other organizations, uh, such as the Project Digital Privacy and the Common Ground Movement. Uh, in what ways did you enhance your ability to reach out uh, to the folks, to the grassroots, uh, to the organization? Sure. So we'll talk about a couple of examples. First of all, the, the ones you brought up. Uh, for the Common Ground Movement, I served as a advisor, kind of the devil's advocate, so to speak, on strategy and uh, grassroots organizing. So help them design. They have an action kit they put together. That was uh, some of the design that we've helped them out with. That was uh, uh, they've put together a website. They put together a brand and a movement with that brand and several different campaigns that we were able to assist them with. Kind of one of our, we've only been around for 28 days, but one of our kind of prize projects is what you just mentioned, the Project Digital Privacy. Project Digital Privacy was founded by Brandon Keebler. He started taking on the National Security Agency's warrantless spying at 14 when he helped restore the fourth or helped found Restore the Fourth. Restore the Fourth had put together a national protest on the NSA that was eventually covered by BBC, NBC, CNN, etc. And uh, Brandon participated in and helped with a lot of the background planning with that protest, eventually even got a response from the NSA itself saying, oh, yes, of course, we support free speech. Well, he decided to kind of move on and start his own organization. So at 16, which blows my uh, 21 now out of the water, but at 16, he's starting Project Digital Privacy, which is basically taking the panda model of going to the local level and fighting indefinite military detention and taking on local police surveillance at that local level. He's got a lot of experience behind him for the age he is, and we were able to help him with branding, logo design. I mean, pretty much uh, the vast majority of the organization's public presence was designed and advised by various Solutions Institute advisors. And another one I want to highlight, and this was really cool, uh, is uh, typically a zoning meeting or a zoning code meeting consists of eh, three commissioners and two tumbleweed. Usually they're not very well attended. They're boring. They focus on specific acts, uh, aspects of business licensing and business construction and uh, not really usually a cause for concern. Even when they are a cause for concern, no one shows up. Well, in the little borough of Kodiak, Alaska, I'm not sure, are you or your listeners familiar with uh, Agenda 21? Well, certainly. We've uh, uh, had uh, some folks on to uh, discuss Agenda 21. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, we've had that topic on the show. Okay, so you'd be a little bit familiar with the zoning regulations that they introduced. They introduced a whole new slate of zoning regulations, which had such beauties as you couldn't have uh, certain saunas in your yard. You couldn't have a, a certain number of domestic animals. You couldn't have fences that were a certain height. And there was no grandfathering. So if you had violated the current rules but not violated the previous ones, well, you're going to get fined. The fines were a cool $1,000 a day. If you did not pay all your fines within 90 days, they would take your property. So it's a nice little zoning code that the borough of Kodiak paid $278,000 for. 
and was supposed to go through without a hitch. It would just be, it would replace the old zoning code, the borough of Kodiak would get a bunch of money, and that's it. We were able to work with one of our clients, Jamie Fagan, a resident of Kodiak, to rally over 300 residents in a 13,000-person borough over 300 residents to show up at a planning and zoning meeting. The planning and zoning commission actually has to move their next meeting to the largest building on the island, a 750 person auditorium. And further, they have to, uh, we're expecting them and, and they're expecting and most of the communities expecting them at this point to kill the code and to revert back to the old one. So we were very, I mean, we don't necessarily take position on Gen 21 or, or the issue that was discussed, but to see 300 people come out for anything is absolutely amazing. And to see 300 people come out to defend their property rights and to prevent Agenda 21 from being implemented there and to kind of spark public debate on that island on this zoning code, we're very happy to, to be a part of that. And that's probably one of our, our prouder moments in the, the few days we've been around. And uh, speaking of that, I was just looking through our list uh, that does bear some updating, but uh, we had her on uh, some time ago as well, is uh, Rosa Corey. Uh, she travels the country uh, giving you know, speeches uh, about 10 to 20 months. We've had her on the show as well. And so, of course, folks, anyone would like to hear more about Agenda 21, check our archives here on Bard's Logic Political Talk, and you can listen to the interview and discussion with Rosa Corey uh, on the show, uh, just in one of our, our archives. And so I do see it's uh, getting close to the bottom of the hour. So before we bring in our panelists, uh, we'll bring in Kelly, because Kelly is the one who kind of brought you to me, Dan, and then we'll uh, bring our Dan in. But first, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show, you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And if you also like to hear more about the organization and plus uh, hear from the founder of uh, the Patriot Journalist Network, Mark Prasik, uh, we interviewed him as well on a couple of occasions he's been on the show. So uh, just check that out in the archives as well, to hear more about the Patriot Journalist Network. I remember when uh, I met Mark, uh, you know, years ago during the 2012 campaign, uh, when we were, you know, talked a lot there when he first started uh, the Patriot Journalist Network. Um, it was interesting to see uh, how much talk about uh, growth, uh, how much it's grown since then. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, since it is about the time, I want to be able to get uh, the panelists some time in as well with you, Dan. First, we'll bring in Kelly. Kelly, thank you very much. Uh, for calling to the show, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing really good. Um, hey, you know, uh, Kelly's a pen name. My first name is Dan, and we have Dan Gray. We have Dan Johnson. So just to prevent uh, uh, any more confusion, Robert, you need to change your name to Dan, and Cindy also needs to change her, Dan, her name to Dan. So. Understood. 
As long as we don't anyway. all have the same phone number as what happened earlier tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of confusion. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that uh, Dan Johnson has joined us tonight and uh, Dylan from uh, Panda, which took over for Dan when he started Solutions Institute. Um, but I, I'm just glad, and I want to tell you a story how I met Dan. You know, I'm here in Siskiyou County, uh, California, a.k.a. State of Jefferson. We're on the Oregon border. And um, I heard on the radio, I'm just working on it, oh, you know, radio. Oh, somebody's going to talk about the NDAA to try to get um, the county supervisors to pass a resolution against enforcing it in Siskiyou County. I'm like, whoa, I, I should just get there. So I made the time, and I show up just as he, as Dan is talking. He's facing the supervisors. I just kind of see the back of his head. He's talking. Very eloquent, very stunning. And then question and answers from the supervisors come at him, and he fielded questions so stunningly. I think that's going to be the fun part when Dan uh, starts fielding questions, because I, I was absolutely stunned at what he did. I spoke a little bit with supervisors. Says, yeah, we ought to do this, you know, have a resolution. And then uh, we went to lunch. So that's how I met Mr. Dan Josh. Come to find out, we know a lot of similar liberty fighting uh, or fighters for liberty. We got a lot of mutual friends all over the country, and that's just pretty exciting. So, um, and then uh, and and then Kelly completely schooled me on American history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to go. Well, he is into our resident uh, constitutional scholar, right, Kelly? <laughs> uh, I'm accused of such. It's real simple. I'll open it up. Anyway. Um, British history is even more fascinating because Langton. Have you heard of Langton, Dan? Oh, no. Don't ask me these questions on air, too. <laughs> well, nobody <laughs> that I know really, you know. So I call up Robert Wisham Happy Magna Carta Day. He's like, what? Yeah, it's the first time yes. in, in modern history where the law was placed above the king. Since then, over 100 nations have fired their king, got a parliament in place, and, uh, you know, so who penned the Magna Carta? That was Langton, arguably one of the most influential people in all of history. But the concept flowed into the colonies, and then we had a constitution, which leads back to, you know, the Fourth Amendment. You, you can be secure in your place unless a judicial warrant. So um, I, um, I guess I want to I want to ask Dan a question um, with all this of, of your studies. Um, and, and first I want to tell you something he told me that's stunning, that what he's doing and why it's so important. Then I'm going to hit him with a question. Um, but, yeah, Dan and I were talking, I don't know, a month or two ago, and uh, he explained to me, whenever tyranny has reared its ugly head and a nation falls and whatever, it gets ugly, uh, first the police are nationalized, then they're militarized, and then it's too late. But what Panda's been doing is confronting this. This is like the first in history where uh, the people are mounting up saying, hey, you will not nationalize the police force. You will not militarize, militarize meaning give them guns, give them SWAT vehicles, give them uh, Humvees. And it's getting a little scary here, folks. When you actually, Here in little Wairika, we got these. We got a Humvee, and luckily one of the locals said it's not for us, but um, local policemen. But it, it is getting a little bit frightening and um, I just want to ask Dan what he has seen as far as the legislation passed and the response you're getting um, from from your activism. 
I think the most effective thing that we're able to do, and, and this is with regards to Panda, I can't wear both hats at once, but uh, with, with regards to Panda, I think, I think one of the things that was most effective and that Panda was able to do was change the conversation around militarizing the country change the conversation around terrorism, around this idea that someone is guilty until proven innocent and reverting back to that someone is innocent until proven guilty. It doesn't matter what you call them, a terrorist or an extremist or a pedophile or any other name you can come up with, that someone is innocent until proven guilty. And then further, that you can't militarize a country. You can't, you can't turn a country into a battlefield and then still somehow respect uh, individual rights. And I think those are some of the biggest idea changes that Panda was able to make because, you know, legislation can pass and legislation is great, but on the, that's not just on the surface. When it comes to real change, what you have to do is change the ideas. What you have to do is change the conversation and legislation sometimes helps change the conversation. I know it did in the capital of New York, but what we were able to do and, and what I think was probably the best thing we were able to do is help change that conversation. There are many other organizations that contributed some even more, more than we did on changing the conversation on militarized police. But for the first time, as you mentioned, the United States, at least for the first time in my research, and I haven't researched every single country, but for the first time in my research, the people of the United States, largely due to mass communication tools such as the Internet, the people of the United States are actually opposing a militarized and nationalized police force before it starts uh, or before it's completely nationalized, before it's completely militarized, before it starts seriously and wholesalely oppressing its citizenry. And that's a really comforting and really great thing to see. Well, that's that's why I was so stunned, Dan, by what you're doing. It's like you're on it. You're bringing awareness. You're causing the conversation that obviously local sheriffs aren't just going to bow down to the feds, even though they do get federal money. Uh, we had John Lopey here, the sheriff here, with a sheriff from uh, Delaware, talk about how the state strips him of his arrest powers, including the feds, obviously. But this is a serious thing. It's a very serious thing. It's sacred our rights, it's a due process, innocent until proven guilty. And when those in government are awakened, at least awakened, even though they don't pass anything, when they are awakened by efforts like you and many other groups, they're going to think twice. I mean, the Third Amendment, don't quarter troops in times of peace, you know, no standing army. It's like, good idea. Yeah, that's how you prevent tyranny. But a lot of people just they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue of history. I don't believe history repeats itself, but human behavior does. And I am a total hats off to what you've been doing. Hello? Do we have a blank spot? So is that, <laughs> well, so, so is that being said, I don't know if you had another uh, question, uh, Kelly, or if you wanted to, or if... Uh, Dan wanted to respond to any of that? Well, it, it, it's, it's a real quick... Um, people, this is extremely important what he's doing. And you can join Panda. Um, you can you can look at the Solutions Institute. And I don't know if I want to reveal your age now or when we're done, but it's it's stunning. Oh, he already uh, did. <laughs> what, 21? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he already did, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, this is stunning, and it's a, quite the contrast. I, here's a question for you. In awareness and education, 
coming from the homeschool side, are you seeing that America is kind of lost to these issues from the general public school? I wouldn't say that America is generally lost to the issues. You're focusing on, on activism, political action. There's this reoccurring, and I would say false theme right now in America with regards to political activism, and that is we need to wake everybody up. We need to get everybody engaged. If only the whole country got engaged. Well, the way it sounds so silly to me that I could compare it to if you're an omelet chef and you got up in front of a convention of omelet chefs and you said, and one day everyone will be an omelet chef. Everybody would look at you like, <laughs> what? what? Huh? It's the same thing when an activist gets up there and says, one day everyone will get engaged in political action. You know, one day I hope that no one has to be engaged in political action because we don't have to deal with this anymore. But knowing that day probably won't come or won't come anytime soon, what activists have to understand is there's only a certain amount of people who will get engaged. There's only a certain amount of people who will get involved. You can look at public opinion polls, but remember who shapes those public opinion polls. It is the activists who are out there creating political action and changing the ideas around them. I mean, if, if I can stumble into activism at 18 not have a clue what I'm doing and make some sort of change, obviously there aren't that many people out there because my comp if there's a lot of competition, I would have been toast. The, the activists has to understand that your job is not to get everyone engaged. Your job is to filter out people who do not want to get engaged with you or who will not take action, who will not be there, and to find the ones who will, to find the ones who will actually get engaged. And so, you know, do I think America's lost? Honestly, I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because I'm not focused on the general public. What the general public thinks is what the general public thinks. They don't control what goes on in politics. They don't control the ideas and the ideas that flow, and, and they don't shape the ideas of the next generation. It is the activists. It is the people who are engaged in political action that do. I want to know what they think. And I would sit, tell you that the vast majority of political activists in the United States oppose the National Security Agency spying and things like that. And for me personally, not necessarily as Solutions Institute, for me personally, that's something that, that really really gets me excited. It really, I see a lot of open. So I, I'm very optimistic about the future of uh, particularly the people of this country and the people of the world for that matter, with regards to individual and human freedom, which is something that I have spent um, a good amount of my political activist career fighting for and will continue to. Wow. So what you're saying is the activists, you know, even, even if we're doing radio talk shows and other actions, the activists are really the ones that are making the difference. And that's where SI comes in to help them. Yeah, that's, that's where we come in. Whether you're an activist who is already engaged and you just don't know one or two things and you want to get a little better at them, or whether you're someone who just has an idea and wants to take it to fruition. Here's a great example. We had uh, in Toledo, Ohio, we had two young ladies who wanted to put on a police accountability protest. And they were going to have about 15 people there. They're going to hand out a few flyers and then it would be over. Well, we were able to offer our help, and they said, yeah, we'd love to have it. We were able to step in. We were able to help them take a planned 15-person, one-time police accountability protest to double the amount of people there to get coverage by three local news stations, 13 ABC, NBC24, and the Toledo Blade, to get a petition together and to change the opinions of the Lucas County Sheriff's Office, the sheriff office over that county that Toledo, Ohio is in, so that they went from zero body cameras and no money in the budget for body cameras to purchasing 15 body cameras at the beginning of this year. I mean, it, 
All it takes is for someone to come to us and say, I have a passion, I have an idea, I want to create something, and then we have experts in lots of different areas from media relations to local organizing to graphic and web design who will say, yeah, when we're going to step up and help you make that happen. So in other words, in other words you're taking activists, all right? Let me quick summarize. You're taking activists sure. and helping them focus for the most impact. We're helping activists with their idea, and we're just honing it and making it better. Good. Wow. Okay, and, wow. and two and questions. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. Well, and, and the guy's 21, okay? For those who are young, and by the way, I got involved when I was like 23, and we, we kicked butt on campus. My, my presidential candidate was supporting. We were number one on campus. I went to state or uh, county convention and district. It, it, it can be done, folks, because there are a lot of people sleep at the wheel. The activists get stuff done. I mean, I, I'm just I'm reminded of my youth, and I'm just so inspired by. Did I mention Dan? Uh, Dan Johnson is 21. Folks, oh, yeah, a couple <laughs> times there, Dan. <laughs> couple okay, of times there, Kelly. <laughs> I don't know. That was, okay. was astounding. I, I was impressed too. But where, where now for the SolutionsInstitute.org? Uh, where does the funding come for the organization? So we're blazing a trail when it comes to activist consulting firms. This really hasn't been done with regards to the unbiased advice that we're giving. For most organizations previously, you had to join their organization. You had to join their movement to get any advice whatsoever. You had to agree with a specific agenda. We don't follow that. So we're kind of blazing a trail. We're not quite sure at this point where it's going to come from. We don't really have any at this point. We're just we're looking at premium services. We're looking at uh, different types of uh, like donations. We have a donation page up there. So I mean we're started as an idea and the the graphic design and everything you see, all of that's volunteer. None of that was that was um, paid for in Federal Reserve notes, so to speak. It was actually people who believed in the idea, people who wanted to put forth some effort into the idea, all coming together and saying, we're going to do this. So, you know, yes, yes, if people see what we're doing is valuable, the money will come in and we'll work on ways to provide a service that's worth that money coming in. But at this point, we're blazing the trail and we're going to see where it goes from here. Then one last question before I bring our other panelists, uh, Dan, in, is that, you know, you, you've been on different uh, media outlets, uh, I've seen one, uh, Coast to Coast, which is a show I like to listen to when I actually can be up that late to listen to it <laughs> before I have to go back to uh, <laughs> work the next day. I mean, and I do, I mean, I really, uh, George Norrie, I mean, he, he's awesome. I really, I really enjoy that show. Um, uh, but anyway, so how is the other media, so maybe even, let's say, the mainstream media, how has they um, you know, accepted the organization or how have they treated you? I don't think that uh, they're going to treat us terribly well because uh, media, at least in today's day and age, typically does its best to defend the status quo, which is not what a lot of activists are out there defending. Like You don't see an activist out there defending the current existence of things, otherwise they probably wouldn't be an activist. But... uh, I don't think it really matters because the media attention doesn't need to come on us. It's not about Solutions Institute getting media attention. It's not about us being in the for, in the foreground. Our goal is to be in the background. Our goal is to be, you know, you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and they give you the chance. Do you want to phone a friend? 
Well, we want to provide enough services so that we're the friend that activists want to phone. We're the friend that activists want to call and say, hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. Or, hey, I'm launching a new thing. I need help creating that. Or, hey, I'm pushing a new idea. I need help crafting the idea so the general public understands it. That's what we're there for. We're not there to go, oh, look at the solutions institute. Here's all the, the credit we're getting. It's all about their clients. It's all about the people who come to us and say, hey, I go to solutions-institute.org. I fill out a get help form. I need help with this, 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 and this. We want them to get the media attention. We want them to get the, the articles. We want them to get the, the pieces written about them because we're helping them introduce their ideas into the conversation. We're not introducing our own ideas. So, I mean, if I go on a, a news channel, I was, I was on Russia Today yesterday. If I go on a news channel, I'm basically saying, hey, we're here to help. And other than that, the ideas and the battleground of ideas, that comes from our clients. That comes from the people who really want to make a difference, and they're the people who should be highlighted. Okay, great. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, some of what we were here for on Bard's Logic is, you know, we say we're the grassroots, we're the people show. It's it's not about the panelists, not even about the host. Uh, it's about the, as we say, it's about you, it's about the grassroots it's about we, the people. That's why, you know, we're, we're open to having organizations such as yourself, a lot of the grassroots organizations, a lot of the, I mean, during 2012, we interviewed a lot of the alternate parties, uh, candidates coming on, uh, because definitely, I mean, you, you know, you got your mainstream medias and your so-called conservative media, things of that nature, who, you know, are interviewing, you know, the folks who are, you know, Republican, Democrat, uh, and the two major parties. Uh, but we're here to, uh, look, there's other folks out there and it's good to, you know, let the you know the people know that they do have alternatives, uh, and that's one of the things that you, we're here to do on Bard's Logic. You, uh, you mind if I respond to that real quickly? Yep, oh, sure. And then we'll bring uh, in Dan. I, the only, yeah, the only thing I would say about that is that it's not we the people. It can't be we the people. It never will be we the people. It is I the person. And the reason I say that is is Hollywood has this depiction of revolutions. You see it in V for Vendetta. It is a depiction of revolutions that it's everybody going into the street and, and somehow changing the entire system. Everybody going into the street and or everybody all at once waking up and, and taking action. And uh, it creates this mentality that in order for me to take action, I need a we. No, you don't. There was no one sitting next to me on the bench when I stepped up. Luckily, I found people. I reached out and I, I threw my fishing rod out and somebody bit. But... Uh, there was no one sitting next to me on that bench. There's no one sitting next to me on that couch. It's not about we, the people. It's about I, the person, because no impact is a heck of a lot worse than one impact. So it's about one person. What can you as one individual do? Not, oh, well, I'll wait on the collective. I'll wait on the we, the people, to do something for me. Well, in on a response to that, and we'll bring in Dan, is that – Certainly, you know, with the individuals, but however, you know, much as like what, you know, we heard from the Patriot Journalist Network is that without we the people, you know, we working together uh, as a people, you know, as, you know, we are individuals, but we have to work together as a people and as as a team, as Patriot Journalists uh, would point out, uh, in a sense that we can actually, you know, make even greater difference. Uh, but with that, I'll go ahead and uh, bring Dan in. Thank you very much. Uh, for your patience, Dan, uh, for for coming in the show. How are you tonight? I'm, I'm having an identity crisis with all these Dan's going on. I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> uh, 
I'm glad my name's Robert. <laughs> Go ahead. So, Mr. John, Mr. Dan Johnson, are you in Pennsylvania too? I'm not. I'm actually out of uh, Northwest Ohio. I don't know how we got the same area code. It must be that uh, NSA stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I was listening and taking notes as always, and uh, I, I think I got you beat by a year. Uh, I'm now 54, but I was an activist at at 16 and 15. Uh, but back then. It seemed like all the statists were on the the right hand side, so I was a progressive, and I worked. Uh, I, I really learned at the feet of a master, uh, Wade Rafke. Now, I'm not saying he's a nice guy, and I'm not saying I agree with anything that he's ultimately turned out to be for. But he's the founder of Acorn, and he started it in uh, 1978 in Denver, and I worked for him in '79 in Denver when I was 18. And you know the tools are the same. It, it's it is the same process, and what you're doing is very sophisticated, and I really appreciate it. But um, Campaign for Liberty's got a whole uh, – that's the Ron Paul group. They've got a whole series of uh, leadership programs that are going through on a wave again this year. And I've been through those, and it's remarkably reminiscent of the stuff that I learned at the feet of the SEIU masters. The only difference, of course, is that uh, we are constrained by the rules, but we also have honesty on our side. Now, the first thing I want to uh, bring up is what you said, that you didn't think violent revolution was a possibility. Um, and we're talking about this uh, militar- militarization of the police. I think it's possible, and very possible, but it would be a greater cost than America need bear. Whether we do it peacefully, as you and I both prefer and promote, or by any other means, American liberty does have what it takes to win. And we will win, not just because we merely want to, but because we must win. And what that means is that we're going to need, uh, as Robert pointed out, you have followers uh, and people who work with you who are not necessarily conservatives. They're liberals in a classical sense. Uh, We need the left and the right, the honest ones, not the statists who are only about themselves and what they can take from everybody else. I have no problem. I have friends still on the left, and I have friends on the right. And it's amazing when we do get together and, it's sometimes hard to get them in the same room. There's a lot of discussion. There's disagreement. But we don't call each other names, and we're willing to listen to the other side. Sometimes they have points. The point right now is to attack on every single front, but not in the same way. There are There is a, a use for mass human waves, but sophisticated legislative initiatives and influencing them, that's really good. Social media, excellent music, arts, there is no end to the ways that we can attack on all of these issues. In fact, I recall um, it's almost two and a half years now since there was an anti-NSA rally, huge, in Washington, D.C. We had ACLU and Demand Progress, that's pretty pretty left-wing on one side, along with uh, Tea Party Patriots and Heritage on the same dais on the right side, and Electronic Freedom Foundation, which is I, you know, some call them left, some call them right. Pretty much they're just about, uh, leave me the heck alone. I want my individuality to be uh, un, unfettered on the web. Um, and there they were all together saying the same thing. And, and I, I looked at the audience, and there's, there's, uh, it was the same thing experience I had at uh, Operation American Spring last year. Although that was a lot smaller, unfortunately. Um, you got hippies, I mean, new hippies, old hippies, and uh, 
people with with piercings and you know stretched earlobes and stuff, uh, talking to really straight laced uh, farmers and and military vets and and Baptist preachers, and you know we got along just great. Now uh, you did mention um, Agenda Twenty One and zoning up in Kodiak, Alaska. Here locally, a quick story. This is what happened uh, in Schuylkill Township, which is the headwaters of the Schuylkill River in, in Pennsylvania, Schuylkill County. Um, we had this quality of life ordinance, which is Agenda 21 Light. It's exactly what you were describing. And that is what galvanized, finally, local support for liberty. And we took back one of three seats on the uh, Township Board of Supervisors by one vote, uh, that one vote, after much fighting and continued support, where we all show up at the meetings, is now our that guy's our open records officer. <laughs> we fought for that. Um, they want to open anything up. We got an audit now. Uh, the lead crony says she will not be running this time. And just a couple weeks ago, we got together and had had now have a slate of candidates. There's more choices for the, the, the voters locally, including Democrats and Republicans. These are all, none of them are status. They're all people we know and trust. They're all decent. Listen, I, I am frightened of violence. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, when I said we'd win either way. I'm not frightened because we'd lose. There's no chance of that. I fear violence because it means failure. Failure to do all those things that Solutions Institute, and I've read a lot on your, your stuff, uh, is trying to do. Failure to teach. Failure to learn, failure to organize, failure to be effective. We can't just throw ourselves at this. We have to be very careful in what we do and do it the right way so that we don't alienate the other people out there who haven't made up their mind yet and so that we attract the people who are on the supposed other side but really have lots in common with us who would love to have constitutional liberties restored and limited government so that we can just do what we want to do in voluntary association. If we fail at those things now, while we have peace, it would be all the harder to achieve on a battlefield. Far too many innocents would be lost. And those shepherds and sheepdogs would willingly lay down their lives for their flock. No one needs to die to make this happen. We can do this peacefully. The, the last point that I want to touch on, which is what you'd mentioned, that uh, you hope that one day no one would have to be activists or be involved with politics. I, I have to tell you that my experience is uh, that day will come when everyone gets complacent again. And on that day, the status will begin to take over com- control again. And it's just uh, going to be a recurring cycle. What I'd really like to see is a constant activism for liberty. We, we got a little lazy in this country. The, uh, the people who want power didn't get lazy. Their lust for and greed for, for more never took a break. But a lot of us, a lot of people who's, who's, uh, who came from degradation, slavery, horrors overseas, who came here, whose parents were pioneers and immigrants and, and fought in our wars and did all those, those really hard things, we got lazy. We said, oh, man, I got the good life. Everything's fine. I can trust the government. Nobody's messing with me. Had we not done that, had we had just simply voted out 5%, 1 in 20 incumbents, just just 1 in 20 every election. So you get an election in a big year, you get maybe 20, 40 candidates uh, that you could possibly vote for, just one or two, just if we got rid of them and never let them back in, this never would have happened. 
And I am monopolizing the time, violating, I think it's the 11th commandment Kelly likes to talk about. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back to you, Dan. Well, Dan, do you have any uh, any questions for Dan? <laughs> I feel like the one show that says, my brother Daryl, it's my other brother Daryl. <laughs> that might have been before some of you guys' time here, uh, Dan. But, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, do you have any questions with uh, Dan? I know you said you could uh, only get us about an hour tonight. We appreciate whatever time uh, that you did uh, spend with us. And, of course, you, you know, you are welcome to, uh, stay if you like. I believe we have uh, Dylan on the line uh, as well. And for anyone who'd like to chime in uh, and talk about uh, our topics tonight, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. Now, one thing that you may find, that oh, I see Jeff Jones uh, is uh, in the chat, and uh, perhaps uh, he may call in and talk about what he's uh, doing as well. Uh, but we've got plenty of time, uh, Jeff, and I, I know we're looking to perhaps have him on as well. Uh, he was uh, running for office. We interviewed him as well. He's got some other things he's working on uh, that we'll we'll definitely talk about uh, some tonight and maybe even more so uh, next week when we'll uh, showcase that on the show next Wednesday, the February 4th. Can't believe it's already going to be February soon. Uh, but, Jeff, it's great to see you in there. But anyone else would like to uh, chime in as well, uh, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. Seven four two eight, uh, and we'll get you on the show. And one of the things we do different here on Bard's Logic than uh, perhaps many other uh, talk shows is that once you call in on the line, you are welcome to stay on the show and be a part of our roundtable discussion. Where at least I do with the best that I can is try to uh, get everyone uh, as much time equally as possible, or at least uh, get them more time when they'd want to come in if they want to make additional comments or ask additional questions uh, of anyone here on the panel, myself or our guests, uh, and they're welcome to do so. So stay on the line even after their uh, initial comments and questions. So uh, if you'd like to do that, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. we got a couple more minutes before the top of the hour uh, before we bring Dylan in, and uh, perhaps if Dan's got to go. So our panelists, Dan, if you have any questions for our guest, Dan, go ahead. I think he means you, That's Dan Johnson. That's to our panelist, Dan. <laughs> Good. That's you, um, Dan Gray. The guest, uh, Dan, the guest, Dan, is waiting for the panelist, Dan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, no, I read your website, I, I, and your, your exposition of what you're up to is uh, very on point, very apropos, and uh, extremely effective. I'm... Like I said, I've been at this game um, for a very, very, very long time and never professionally and never been able to give 100% of my time. So, you know, I have my regular life, which occupies the same as everybody else's, and then I do the second life, which is not secret. It's public life. But uh, God bless me with a lot of energy, so that's what I do. And everything that you're putting up there makes sense, and there's a lot of really high-quality people who are involved. Um I'm really pleased to see this synthesis, this this uh, consulting group. If you look at what George Soros has done with the left, no, they're not the left. With the, uh, they're not progressive either. The status, okay, let's just put it that way. The big government types who think that they know better than everybody else and want to regulate your the lives. New oligarchy. Uh, yeah, okay, pick a name. Uh, I, oh, I don't know if I want to use the N word and call them Nazis, but uh, not too much of a difference. Uh, 
they are very serious and professional about this, and they have lots of linking un, uh, umbrella organizations. And while they've got more money than we've got currently, uh, what they don't have is the enthusiasm. Like I said, I know a lot of people on that side. I used to be on that side. I never left that movement. I got into it fighting for liberty. The movement left me. In fact, I'm not sure it was ever really on that side, but that's what most of us who were involved back in the day were involved in. I know people now who who work for um, some of these Organizing for America uh, campaigns and you know some of the Soros front things, and they have they're deflated. They, they really have. They, they, they have got. They, they're either on the side of the status, and therefore they have absolutely no message that resonates with anyone, and they're really, really frustrated. Or they're getting really frustrated themselves because the things that been, they've been taught to believe that they've been working for have been proven up to be absolutely worthless. We had a guy on, uh, was it last spring, who was trying to be governor of Pennsylvania, uh, Paul Glover, and on this show. Yeah, he's a Green, Green Party, Party. Mm-hmm. And he's, a, he's an honest liberal. He's a, a progressive fellow who's come to the conclusion, as many of them are, that they were sold a bill of goods, that the state is not going to bring progress, that the war on drugs, the war on terror, the war on poverty, the war on everything is a war on us. And what he wants, and this is just beautiful, is voluntary associations, where if you want to get together and do a thing, you find other like-minded people to do that thing, you organize effectively and it's your thing and you can other people can like it or not but if you're successful you'll find that most people are going to want to uh, look at really closely and maybe emulate at least part of what you're doing so i don't know i i don't have any questions because like i said mr johnson you did an excellent job and continue to do so uh, you can count on my support well thank you very and, uh, much and, go and ahead thank yeah, uh, no, thank ahead, you guys for, for having me on. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I'll, I'll touch on a couple things before I take off. You guys don't mind. Um, number ahead. one, I'd, I'd like I'd like to, in all friendly discussion, uh, respond very briefly to to some of Dan's points on the violent revolution. Um, I, I do absolutely agree with you that the goal is peace. That the goal is is peaceful. However, when you said that there's no chance of losing uh, with violence, that there's no chance of losing because that the American Revolution or the new American Revolution must win, I have to disagree. And the reason I have to disagree is it's inherent. So the only difference between a revolution and a state is one is looked at a little bit differently by those who are opposed to the state. Both are legitimizing violence against people who have not harmed that person directly, and uh, that violence is those seeds are then planted of legitimacy of that violence. And I go into this in my article, Is It Time for a Violent Revolution?, which is the first article published on the Solutions Institute website. But the fact that there is a violent revolution means that you are planting the seeds that a, if a certain collective takes up violence, which is the exact same idea as statism, if the certain collective takes up violence, then that collective is okay, but the rest of the collectives are not. For example, if a police officer kid if a police officer arrests someone, we call we don't call it kidnapping. But if they had been wearing any other uniform, they had been in with any other collective, we would have called it kidnapping. It's this legitimizing of a certain collective that violence is okay. 
So I would say that the if we were to, if there was ever to be, or certain people in the United States were to participate in a violent revolution, believing that there had been no other peaceful option, it is not that there's no chance of losing, but simply that there's no chance of winning, because you simply ingrain the idea of the state, you ingrain the idea that a certain group of people can commit violence without your permission, and it's okay if uh, they're on a particular ideology or a particular side, part of a particular collective. Um, so that being said, kind of uh, moving on to, and this is apart from me, or this is apart from Solutions Institute, this is, this is kind of me speaking here, but just to clarify my comment on whether we want constant activists, I would like to see the state dissolve. I would like to see politics go away. I'd like to see the idea of this state, the idea that someone can commit violence and it's okay because they wear a certain uniform or they wear a certain costume, then then that's fine. I would like to see that idea go away. So when it comes to political activism, I'd like there to be no poli- no uh, state politics, no state at all, so there'd be no activists. Obviously, with the idea that you brought up, which I really like uh, personally, the voluntary association, the let's all get together and, and take on this certain idea or this certain process, that is absolutely where I'd like to see. And I think that's the epitome of a free society is that you don't push your idea, you don't force your idea on someone else with the threat of violence or violence itself, that you actually freely associate with that person and you convince them of your idea or they don't participate in your idea, whether it's an economy or whether it's a political idea at all. Uh, The last thing, and I I hate to just jump off on this, but the last thing is... uh, if anyone wants our assistance, if anybody wants some help from the Solutions Institute, they can go to our website, solutions-institute.org, click on the Get Our Help form. It's fairly lengthy. It's designed to filter out people who aren't really interested and don't really want help. But if you are an activist and you're serious, you want to create political change, and you are not going to increase force, and you are not going to utilize or advocate the use of aggressive force, go ahead and go to solutions-institute.org. You can see the tools on there. You can see the Get Help form. And last but certainly not least, I'll be doing a uh, speaking tour this year, or at least one speaking tour, if not several, on local political action. The Real Nature of Politics and Politicians is, is a book that you mentioned uh, that Campaign for Liberty actually recommends. Learned a little bit from that, kind of what I learned with Panda. It's a uh, local organizing or local political action a tour, politics, what they didn't want you to know. You can make sure your group's a part of that tour, whether it be a Skype or whether in person at solutions-institute.org. You guys all have a great night. Thank you. Well, I thank you very much, uh, Dan, for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, speaking with you again. Absolutely. You guys Thanks. enjoy it. Have a great night. Yep, you too. Take care. And with Did that, I, I believe we have. <laughs> What's that? Did I mention he was 21? Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Okay. So uh, I do you see uh, a number of folks uh, on the line, uh, especially the next person who would be online to uh, chime in after uh, our guest Dylan, and that is area code 734. I do see you out there. Uh, we'll be uh, bringing you in. Uh, but first, uh, let's go ahead and uh, bring in Dylan from uh, Panda. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome him. Thank you very much, uh, Dylan, for coming to the show. Looks like you got a um, Ohio area code there, which is uh, my state as well. Uh, welcome. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, you, uh, you're welcome. It was, uh, it was kind of an impromptu thing for you uh, to come in, and we really appreciate it just because uh, you know, keep topic with or keep on topic with tonight's show. 
so we'll get you in. And right. then I do see uh, Jeff on the line as well. We'll, we'll want to bring him in uh, later on to discuss what he's doing. But there's plenty of time. Hopefully we'll be able to have a full uh, extended period, uh, which starts uh, in the next hour. Uh, we'll see how technical things go uh, this evening. Uh, I've got some new equipment, so perhaps that will alleviate uh, some of the technical difficulties we experienced. Uh, the past couple of weeks, so we'll we'll check on that. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and uh, s- welcome Dylan. Uh, give us a little background on yourself and how you got uh, uh, in with uh, Panda. All right. Well, I uh, started activism at a very young age. I started when I was 14. Um, actually, I used to be a very, like, social liberal mindset. Um, I hated guns. Uh, I thought the state was the best thing ever. Um, after I graduated high school, however, in 2011, Uh, I started doing my own research on some topics that I was unsure about when I was in high school, especially in government and uh, law. So after doing my own research and being in a public school, I realized that I was taught almost everything wrong. So after about a year or so uh, doing my own research, I came across a video on YouTube from Panda Unite. After watching the video and I learned about indefinite detention, I was blown away, completely stunned. I was like, this cannot happen. It's America. Well, I was wrong. So after doing some research on the uh, 2012 National Defense Authorization Act, I uh, found PandaUnite.org, which was Van Johnson's organization at the time. I put in an application. He called me shortly after, and I've been involved with Panda ever since. So what's the hat you're wearing for the organization now? What are you doing for Panda? Uh, Currently, I am part of the national leadership. Pretty much my job, in essence, is to help guide and train new activists that want to take back their town on their own with our new take-back team. So, more or less, I am here to give guidance. And do you have, uh, I guess, uh, your own cadre of uh, staff underneath yourself to, uh, you know, go into maybe different uh, counties or different areas uh, throughout Ohio? Uh, Currently, I do not. Um, we are working, however, uh, with some groups down in Cincinnati, uh, some uh, individual activists who just want to try to take back their town. I've been keeping in contact with them and trying to teach them how to go about going into the city council and uh, trying to add this legislation to their city council. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, actually that's uh... – the hometown that I'm from, I'm I'm from Cincinnati. I'm currently not oh, really? in Cincinnati, but I'm close enough. Yes, I am. Uh, but I am close enough uh, to Cincinnati where, uh, you know, what happens in Cincinnati still affects me. <laughs> so, right. Um, but yeah, yeah, grew up and uh, how familiar are you with Cincinnati, Dylan? I've been down there quite with a few the, like the little uh, neighborhoods. Uh, the neighborhood is not so much. I'm actually just downtown. I've been working with a group called the Awaken Cincinnatians and helping host events down there. But yeah, definitely. Uh, just uh, send me an email at bardslogic at gmail.com, and uh, we could discuss, you know, with some contact information for you, and we can discuss uh, awesome. discuss that further. Sweet. Hey, Dylan. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, yep. do you know Ed Lee? I know of Ed Lee, as a matter of fact. Yeah, um, actually, my first uh, um, exposure to Panda was a friend of mine who is uh, in, who's been on this program. You might call in tonight, um, Steve Petrowski with Citizens for Liberty. It's not Campaign for Liberty, but pretty similar in some respects. Uh, very 
um, liberty-minded group and really powerful. And he said, hey, you got to join us in this conference call. Okay. I didn't have anything planned for that hour, so uh, that's what I did. And uh, we actually have been doing a lot of stuff with this um, local Panda, Panda, Pennsylvania. Um, We've got uh, a couple of legislators in Pennsylvania who are, are gaining in power, uh, they're gaining an influence, and which is amazing because they're not statists. They don't kiss up to anybody. They don't have big donors, and they're constantly mm-hmm. under attack by the unions and everything. But even though we don't have many yet, we've got some powerful voices who are very much uh, interested in nullifying uh, the NDAA provision for indefinite uh, secret detention. Right. Well, that's pretty awesome. Um, as a matter of fact, when I first got involved with Panda... Nobody heard of it. I was literally the crazy friend out of everybody that I knew. Um, But here recently, however, especially in the Dayton area, which is where I'm from, I've been getting a lot of friends and friends of friends involved. Um, About a year ago, I tried uh, passing the resolution of my own city council. However, I was shot down. They wouldn't even hear me. But I've been getting a lot more activism that way. So that is fantastic that you guys have a lot of uh, ground up there. Well, it's not that there isn't a lot of work to do. I mean, most people in the state are asleep. Um, they they yeah. really don't pay attention. They they tell me that it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me what the government does. Um, personally, I, I'm 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 involved with so many different things. NDAA is very important. Um, so are so all the other groups. So whatever the person's particular interest is, if I can get them interested in fighting for life or fighting for open records or fighting for property tax or for I don't care what it is, as long as they're active and fighting, then they start joining this community of people who are active and fighting. And they find that they're being educated every single day and learning more and more and more of the outrages that have been perpetrated in our name and the dangers that we're facing that, that, you know, for years people warned and everybody thought they were crazy 20 years ago. I, I don't know. How, how old are you, Dylan? Yeah. I'm 22. All right. My daughter's 21. I, I get this. Um, when you were born and I was saying, you know, watch out, this stuff's going to happen. People thought you think you were the crazy friend. I mean, people thought right. it was off the deep end. 10 years ago, they they said, well, you know, yeah, okay, you know, there's a good chance you're right, but there's nothing we can do about it. I'm not worried about it. It's not happening. And five years ago, they said, oh, my God, this stuff is actually real, isn't it? Oh, but it seems, you know, what do we do? And now there's all these mm-hmm. people who, you know, have never really been particularly active at anything in politics. Not to say that they're stupid or they're not active in their lives, but they're taking uh, what they know and bringing it. And, you know, there's an awful lot of genius out there in this country. There's an awful lot of people who who think outside the box. I mean, I'm not saying that that experience and intelligence and learning and systems can't help them be more efficient, but there's people coming up with ideas all the time that and enthusiasm that I'm just blown away and so grateful because I, I, you know, this feeling, when you first got involved in this, where you really feel alone. And it's a scary feeling to be fighting these giant powers that that, that can do anything they want with no repercussions. Mm -hmm. And you're just one solitary person. And when there's a lot of you solitary people out there kind of getting together and deciding that they want to do something, 
you don't feel quite so scared anymore. Now it's the other side that has to feel scared. Right. And, you know, that's that's the best thing. When I first got sort of involved in activism, now by the time I was 14, because these were, I would say, issues that kind of were like hot topics at the time. Um, but when I was getting involved in political activism, the social stigma was paralyzing at times. And in today's in today's world, even though it's only been three years or so since I joined, the stigma has actually been released a lot. There's been a lot of <clears throat> excuse me. There's been a lot of support coming from all ends. A lot of groups that are starting up. A lot of people wanting to start taking action. And I'm glad to start seeing that people are starting to get involved again, and actually wanting to take on something, whether it be indefinite detention or whether it be life or whether it be the police state, you name it but I'm glad to see that there's a lot of people actually starting to get involved. Absolutely. And you know what makes me feel really, really glad is not just the numbers of people, but the fact that it's not all old people. Um, when I was first involved in this, there were a lot of young people because we were baby boomers and there were just so many, so many baby boomers and everybody was young. It seemed like the average age in this country was like 30. And that was, or if that, um, there a lot of kids everywhere. And as we all got older, um, less and less kids getting involved. I'd go to these meetings. They'd be once every three months, six months, and once a year. They'd be the same four or five people. They're, we're all looking at each other. I'm the youngest one there, and I'm now in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm 50 years old. Where is everybody? And now 21-year-olds and 22-year-olds and, and a lot of Kids who are out of college, kids who are, are in college, kids who can't afford college, kids who are working, kids who are stuck at home because they can't find a job in this crappy uh, economy that the, the state has built. And, and a lot of young veterans, too. A lot of people who have, have seen service, and it's just a great mix. It really is. And, and you know what? I am 54. I hope I've got a few years left here. You know, I hope I've got a couple of decades at least. But... I mean, who knows? Um, but none of us are going to last forever, which means we need that youth and vitality and those new ideas. And, you know, you're the future. I'm not fighting for me, um, you know, I'm so much as for my kid who's your age, so that someday she can have a better country than I ever had. That's exactly why I'm getting involved. I. I don't want to have a child bring it into this world and say, sorry, I wish I would have done something sooner. Exactly. Very good point. And, Dan, just to let you know that there are some uh, who will last forever, and I will be one of them, so I'm going to be cryogenically frozen. Oh, <laughs> so are you going to be, uh, is your head going to be sitting in a jar next to uh, Walt Disney? No, or what? No, not my, no, I'm going to have, no, I'm going to have my entire body cryogenically frozen. So when the time comes, oh. they bring it back. I mean, I may I may wake up on Mars, uh, but uh, which would be fine, you know. But uh, I, I don't want to. You know. I don't want to live forever. I don't think that's natural. <laughs> but hey, okay, good luck. Let me know how the future is. <laughs> but anyway, I digress, <laughs> and it's not even Bard's logic after dark yet. So go ahead, guys. But let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly in, and then uh, if you got any questions, and I do see you uh, peeking out there, uh, Cindy. And so, if, uh, Cindy, you'd like to chime in, and I know we have a lot of time uh, that you could spend with us uh, on the line, but go ahead and give us a call. Uh, we'd really love to hear from you. Uh, we kind of miss you 
hearing you on here. I know you've been busy over there if, if you're in, in Texas uh, taking care of some family stuff. But, Cindy, we see you out there. We'd like to uh, have you call in, so give us a call. And then we also have uh, Jeff on the line. But first, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly, and then we'll bring it back to uh, Dylan. Go ahead. Well, yeah, um, Dylan, I'm really glad you joined us tonight at short notice, but, you know, I've had yeah. these situations where, can you get on the talk show? I'm like, okay, so um, <laughs> my my math tells me you're like 23. Is that how old you are? 22. 22, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, at this age, yes, you can affect the world for, for good. Um, <laughs> how How do you... Um, how do you handle your youthfulness around uh, uh, older people? How do, I how do you overcome that, I guess? How do, you, how do you overcome that? Because sometimes people don't quite want to listen to somebody that's younger. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, as long as you know what you're talking about, I think people actually do give you a chance. That's, that's the experience that I've had. I understand that I'm really young. Um, that can be very frightening to me, and it could seem like nothing to somebody else. People could look at me and think, well, he's just a kid. How does he know? However, keep in mind, too, my background right now, I'm also I'm a law student. I have run for city council in my hometown, so everybody knows me. And I try to present the argument against indefinite detention in a manner that we can all understand. I think that's probably my best attributes when I'm trying to overcome the youthfulness the fact that I know what I'm talking about. Well, that's really helpful because it's not just what we say, what we know, but how we say it. And exactly. It takes, it's the um, argument that you present, the evidence that you have, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because, like, for me, okay, I'm 48, but my 20s I learned engineering, in my 30s I learned how to communicate, and my 40s I learned how to influence. And I'm still striving, mm-hmm. and some people are just, I don't know, good upbringing, homeschooling, whatever it was, and they got it down and people just listen. It's just uh, I'm, I'm impressed with what you guys have done. I'm impressed with what you're doing and you're, you're, you've been an encouragement to me, and I hope uh, the rest listening are also encouraged by this. And it's never too late to start, folks. It's really not, and especially those who no, are mature. You know, those who are mature, they have a better way to influence people. Um it's never too early either. There's a lot yeah. of kids yeah. out there who think that they can't do anything. You're a good example that hey, it doesn't matter. And I say kid because I'm I, I have a kid your age, so that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything age. Maturity has nothing to do with chronological age any more than knowledge does. There are people who are very young who have figured things out and are and are good listeners and learn. And there are people who are older who don't. And I have found that when there's a mixed group, no matter what the age, the race, the sex, the the, uh, the the racial makeup, whatever it is, if these are honest people who really, really want to help make things better, they listen to each other, they help each other, they don't discount each other or put each other down for external characteristics, and that includes youth or age. That There's absolutely right. nothing there that makes any difference. Um, the fact that I've seen more more summers and winters tells me a little bit about a person, but it doesn't tell me that I've learned anything during that period of time. The fact that you've seen a few uh, fewer than me doesn't mean that you have. 
and dead air. Anybody there? Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm here. here. Sorry, lost the call. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I put everybody to sleep again. <laughs> Whenever I uh, yep, try we're... to talk to people about this issue, I'm sorry to interrupt. I try to I I Go quote ahead. Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Very good. Don't let your physical attributes, your personal attributes, whatever's going on at home, don't let that stuff stop you. If you have the drive, the motivation, and an idea, you can do it. You just have to put your mind to it. And with that, I'm putting my mind to something right now, folks, and that is to bring on Cindy Todd because because we haven't uh, there as much as uh, we'd like from her, and also. Uh, because she doesn't uh, have a lot of time uh, tonight. And so thank you very much. And then I do uh, want to still get Jeff on as well. But uh, thank you, Cindy, for calling to the show. How are you? How's the family? Well, we're doing great. Um, how about you guys? Everybody doing all right? Everybody sounds pretty good tonight, pretty intelligent and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing good, except for I had a weird experience today, something I, I've, I've never really experienced before. You know, I don't know if you folks know this, and you may. Is I like hot food. I eat spicy stuff all the time. Peppers, jalapenos, chili, spices, you name it, I eat it. <laughs> but today, I I don't know if it's, my throat was feeling this okay, but today I be, uh, ate one of those pepperoncinis, you know, the real acetic ones, the, the yellow ones, yellow green, and for some reason it just burned the back of my throat. And then I ate another one. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the had to, you got to try some ghost peppers. My third head felt the, the no, same thing, but I'm, I'm like, what's going on? Robert, you're just not eating hot enough peppers. You got to go for ghost peppers, and if those don't work, scorpion peppers will do the trick. Well, I tell you what, this one burned the back of my throat. I it was, I was like, what's going on here? I was, I was stunned. I'm like, wait a minute, this is only a pepperoni. So I don't know. I got, I got an earache going back and forth. So maybe I've got something coming down, but it better not because there's a Super Bowl coming up, and my Super Bowl party, I, I, I can't miss it. <laughs> I have it every, I've had it every year for, gosh, over 15 years. But anyway, go ahead, Cindy. <laughs> well, we grow peppers around here. We try to grow them as hot as we can because, you know, my daughter-in-law is a Mexican, and she thinks everything's got to be about as hot as, the, you know, place below. But anyway, um, I, I've noticed that um, certain peppers can, of the same species can be hotter from one plant to the next. So what you probably did, you said a little round one, is that a habanero? They can vary too. No, it was just like a, it was like a pepperoni. I mean, it, but it was real oh. juicy. You know, it had a lot of juice in it, and it just like all of it just squirted in the back of my throat, and it actually burned, and I don't, it, that's never happened to me before. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe I scratched my throat inside or something, or maybe I had a scratchy throat and I didn't know about it, and uh, just that the acid from the pepper just exacerbated it. I'm guessing that's what that was. Life is hazardous. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I almost completely missed all of what um, <clears throat> Dan was, uh, Dan Johnson was uh, talking about today. I I've had duties that I had to perform. Um, I'm working. You know, you know, I'm on the. Well, I was on the Volusia Soil and Water Conservation District here, and uh, we we just have a lot of business going on right now. I'm actually off the board now. I didn't run for re-election, so I'm 
trying to finish off all my jobs so that I'll have so much to do, then maybe I can concentrate on you guys a little bit harder. <laughs> anyway, but, um, I, you know, I, I've been, you know, listening around as much as I can to the news and stuff that's going on these days. And um, it gets more unbelievable every day. You, you, you just, there's, how many of y'all are, um, are um, me- uh, members of the Republicans, Libertarians, Democrats um, Facebook page, the political debate arena. Oh, that one, yeah. I am. Um, you know, it, when you start debating with these these people, it's it's pretty unbelievable the thoughts that come out of their minds, and you have to think, where did they get that from, and uh, I, I'm afraid that our schools and um, social media and, and different places where people are picking up their ideas, they're just having way too much success at uh, brainwashing people. People are so gullible these days. They have, there's some, For so many years, we have not taught people how to think on their own and uh, formulate their own ideas according to, you know, rational thinking and looking at behavior and consequences and uh, looking at history and what's going on in other countries. What is the success rate of people who are trying to do the same thing, who have already done the same things that we're trying to do? Um, and it's like nobody's ever been outside their own city city streets or something. It's like nobody knows what goes on in other countries where they have already been through what we're going on, what what's going on here, what we're going through, and <clears throat> they're ignoring completely the consequences of of the things that went on in Russia, in China, in France, uh, and now pretty much in England and different countries like that, um, and and they're totally oblivious to what's going on in the Muslim mind um, and, and the, 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 um, the goals of the Muslims. And it's like almost, it's almost like the communists don't even count anymore because the Muslims have so fully gained control of the fear factor of, of people's minds uh, all, all over the rest of the country. And now they're coming here at, at, with their ideas come here and it's like our people are oblivious to what's going on in the other countries. Cindy, um, uh, if I may, mm-hmm, sure. you, you know, you, you've mentioned a, a real challenge when you have somebody who's been brainwashed and the, the, the thing is, yeah, it does help you hone your, your debating skills. You have to be gentle with them. You can't just say, boy, you're a stupid dummy. You don't know a damn yeah. thing because they'll never listen to anything that you say after that. So, well, I, I don't. News, I try not to say that. I, I know ca- you don't. I do call them gullible. I know you I don't. do call them gullible and naive. But the good news is that once you do get them thinking, they can't stop, and they'll never go back. Now, as far as radical Islam, a friend of mine who is a major player in the militia movement in Pennsylvania, and this is a guy who has military background, and he really has skills. This guy's pretty darn good. I'm glad he's on our side. Uh, and he's very, very pro 
law enforcement that behaves itself, military that behaves itself, people who follow the Constitution. But he had a really good analogy. He said that, look, uh, thinking of radical Islam or the state, it's like thinking about you're being attacked by a wolf and a bear simultaneously. What do you do? Which do you fight? The radical Islam is the wolf. The state is the bear. Now, if you happen to uh, go after the wolf first, you know, defend yourself. Uh, a wolf, you can you can defeat that with your own strength. You can even possibly defeat it without weapons. It could damage you. It could cripple you. Might kill you. Um, but you've got a really fair chance to do something against that. The bear, you got a, a rifle with one bullet. Which do you take the shot at? The bear, if you don't put it down with one bullet, has, you know, knives, five of them on each paw. It's got knives in its mouth. It outweighs you by a factor of, you know, many. It, it's got more strength, more power, can move faster. This sucker, one swipe and you're done. So when I look at NDAA and I look at the statists and, and what they're doing with the power of the state, um, if we don't stop them, they're almost at a point, not quite, I think that they've they've had to overstep themselves quite a bit. They want us to think that they have it all wrapped up. They're nowhere near close, but they're almost at that point where they could do what they want. And if they did what they wanted, there's not much you can do. If, if as our previous guest mentioned, uh, uh, we hadn't started going after the idea of militarizing the police and having uh, a, a police state here, once it occurs, once it happened in Soviet Russia, Nazi Germany, and Communist China, you're done. You can still fight. You can still be an activist. You can still, you know, protest for freedom. There'll still be some glimmer of that. But for most of the people in, in that uh, country, in that world, they're, they're going to be done. In fact, a lot of millions of them usually are done and permanently at that. So I say, yeah, I want to keep that wolf at bay. I'm certainly not saying that the wolf is my friend or, or that uh, they, they mean me well, but I am more concerned at this point at that statist, uh, that bear that is really, really trying to... In fact, they're using the wolf as, as a distraction, and they're using the wolf as provocation. And, and you ask yourself, what possible thing could these alleged progressives, because they're not really progressives, but the statists, what could they have in common with their, their constituencies of, you know, supposedly women and, and uh, gay people and, and people of color and all the rest of that, what could they have in common with radical Islam, which would basically murder you if you're gay, that uh, would murder you if you were a woman and not dressed in a you know, full hador or whatever they call that? Um, uh, Good job. The answer is real simple. The radical Islamists want complete power over everybody. And they aren't really very uh, holy men or anything like that. They, they, they'll they use that power to make themselves rich, to take women, to do anything they want to, um, just for the sheer joy of inflicting suffering on other people uh, that sick people enjoy. And it's the same mentality among the statists who are running things. Um, many of them aren't quite as graphic about that. They may be a little bit more sophisticated and basic mentality. It's a rapist mentality. It's a, um, a fascist mentality. So I, I'm going after the bear first. And uh, we'll, we'll worry about the wolf, which we can defend pretty easily against. I mean, you, you think about radical Islam. 
um, this country defeated Nazi Germany and it defeated uh, Tojo and it defeated um, Mussolini in four years. Uh, it, believe me, um, if, if we were being run properly, if this government wasn't involved in interfering in everybody's lives in every single aspect, but was merely concentrating on what the Constitution said, which is, a, among other things, a strong national defense, and we actually wanted to stop, and I'm not talking about killing all Muslims or anything, but to stop the radical elements that are, are, are actively seeking our destruction, we could do that in about three or four months. It was that. Uh, ah. was, uh, I do say that's real quick, Kel, uh, real quick, Cindy, and we'll, we'll get you in a minute. Um, is I do see that is uh, already the bottom uh, of the second hour, and uh, we'll be moving into the extended period uh, as long as it lasts uh, in about 25 minutes. Uh, but for folks who are new here for the show, uh, if you don't call us in at 347-945-7428 in the next 25 minutes, or 23 rather now, uh, that the audio for the show will be cut off from you, and you won't be able to uh, listen or participate in the extended period or sometimes what we lovingly call it Bard's Logic After Dark. Um, and it's really not as bad as it sounds, but <laughs> it's just something we uh joke around with about. Uh but anyways, but give us a call three four seven nine four five seven four two eight if you'd like to uh listen to the extended period, which of course uh it will be a part of the podcast as well as of course with the live portion of the show. And all of it will be able to be heard at its entirety uh for you to listen to and of course uh where you could share the link with other folks so they can look at, listen to the show as well whether you post the link on Facebook, Twitter, or on your website uh, for folks who can listen to our guests and our show tonight. And if you are on the show, they can listen to you uh, being on Bard's Logic Political Talk as well. So here's how we'll do it. Uh, Cindy, we'll go ahead and uh, get your uh, point in that you're going to make before I rudely interrupted you, uh, but I had to do this kind of programming, as you know. And then we're going to bring uh, Jeff, George, uh, Jeff Jones in, and then, of course, we still uh, have Dylan on the line. We'd like uh, to get some more comments from him as well. But I definitely want to be able to get uh, everyone in uh, before the top of the hour and when we start the recorded session. Uh, so go ahead, Cindy, and then uh, we'll bring in Jess. Go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Cindy. No, well, tell me what you think about it. Give me a message, and we'll we'll bring it back, okay? Just don't, just don't forget. I'm 58 years old, so you know I can't. I can't oh well. Oh. Anyway, I, I just Under, I understood. Just, I just wanted to, you know, bring it, bring it to you that um, we've got a lot of work to do, and the problem is, as much as we're growing, um, the opposition is also growing, and I cannot figure it out for the life of me, but they are, and. Uh, uh, unless we wake up, you know, the, the, the sleeping giant is the church. If the church ever really wakes up, then we've got all the help we need. But um, I just don't see it happening because they're all sitting back waiting for the rapture. They think they're going to escape uh, every, all the, the hard stuff to come. and So they think they don't have to get involved in politics and just, you know, just pray in your pew. You'll be all right. And then there's those of us who uh, don't believe <laughs> believe there's going to be any kind of rapture or anything else, and so we've got to work to make things better for 
uh, our children. And so at this point, let's uh, speak of making uh, some things better. Let's go ahead and bring Jeff in and uh, go over what uh, he wants to add for tonight and give us kind of a little preview uh, if we're going to be out having for a whole show next week on what he wants to talk about. And then we're going to go ahead and bring it back uh, to Dylan. But I did, as I said, want to make sure I got Jeff on because earlier, uh, before I even knew that uh, Dylan was going to come on, and I really appreciate you coming on, Dylan, uh, that uh, Jeff's going to come in at the top of the hour. So it's never hurt, it never hurts to have multiple uh, guests on the show, except I wish we had uh, four hours, right, guys? We talk about that all the time. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, welcome <laughs> Jeff. Thank you very much, Jeff, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, uh, it's been fun listening uh, to the conversations and wrote myself a bunch of notes. And uh, so, but first of all, I mean, I just got to say to all you Ohioans, is it a coincidence that Urban Meyer's initials are UM? But I don't know, but it was really quite the grind. And uh, But Ohio State <laughs> played masterfully, definitely the, the greatest uh, football I've seen in a long time. So kudos to all the Ohioans. Oh, yeah, that's right. They won the, that championship, didn't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, something like that, something like that. You know, I just, just, See how much I, I paid attention to college football. That's just my Michigan football. words, you know, sending out to you. Uh, to everybody there in 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 the Buckeye. So, uh, but you know, uh, something happened at U of M. So we never know. But I do think some of the greatest coaching we we'll, we'll see in the next ten years will be in the Big Ten. So it's exciting. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was ac- I was actually born in Ohio. Does that count for anything? It all it's all good, Cindy. <laughs> I mean, it's all good. I mean, I just telling you that uh, that that was the greatest football I think I watched to see this kid win the last three games of the year. In the way that he did, um, is 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 nothing shy of heroic, and uh, played like a champion. And and man, it, but I think really, you, even though the, there was great talent, I think that everybody's got to realize that it was Urban Meyer's doing. And um, uh, Urban Meyer loves the Lord, and I, I think there was I think there were some great influences there. So kudos on all of that. Um, but Cindy, you mentioned something. I'll try to keep my my words uh, in line with everything else that's being talked about. Um, someday the church is going to realize that ecclesia means Congress, and yes. and they've yet to make those links uh, to that. And but eventually, we as uh, as patriots, uh, hopefully, uh, I, I hope I can do something to to rekindle the Black Robe Brigade. Um, and that's my that's my counterattack for for John Deweyism. And uh, and what I'm doing now with um, 1721 that I had a chance to, to share with Robert. So um, it's about leadership, and um, you know, even though that we we don't want to, uh, we hope that we don't have to um, invoke the Second Amendment to, to 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 speak the words or you know resolve the issues in our country. Uh, but so certainly, I guess we fight with words. We fight with truth. We fight with volume and we infiltrate, and um, so we infiltrate um, uh, with leadership. And so I created an entity, uh, what I call Kingdom Within, and uh, it's located at uh, 1721 dot today. But it's uh, basically a a program of leadership to uh, create, uh, identify. Um, uh, people that could take leadership positions, uh, whether it's whether it's in politics or whether it's in uh, or government or whether it's in education or or just in in corporations and community, and and give them the principles that they need uh, to defeat 
the wrong information that has corrupted us. And, you know, John Dewey said um, in 50 years, I'll, you know, I will make America a communist country. I'm just going to start by by training the uh, college professors. And, and he he did a masterful job. And so we have to... Yeah, he did. We, we have to counteract that with something, and it's the same thing with all of our concerns about radical Islam. If we can, if we can get people really to understand the truths um, uh, that are taught in Christianity, rather than the religiosity that has destroyed Christianity, um, we can get people living on a day-to-day basis the things that they really believe. I happen to believe that, you know, God moves into me, and in that I have the ability to claim. Uh, uh, to claim ownership uh, in who I am, and in doing so, if I transfer that to the people I meet, it, it's a God experience rather than than a me experience. And so I can use those tools that He put inside of me uh, to be passionate and compassionate, and to and to understand the difference between walking around saying uh, I'm happy or taking the ownership of, ha- of happiness. So uh, these are just some of the things that I'm working on. Well, good luck to you. Yeah, definitely. We had some fascinating conversations uh, earlier, uh, Jeff, on that, and I definitely want to uh, both off and on the air talk about that more. Now, are, are we looking to uh, for you to come on and give more detail on that next week? I, that's I, w- I would love to. Love. Thank you for the opportunity. So that's what I tried to. I try to keep it pointed towards your uh, your targets of topic tonight, and uh, I'd, I'd love the opportunity uh, uh, to finish the, the discussion next week. Great. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just just because it is about quarter till, we can we can discuss more uh, about it, uh, it, you know, when it rises in the next period of the show. We'll see how much of the extended period we'll be able to get to uh, this evening. But I did want to bring it back to our uh, guest Dylan here and to see if there's anything uh, you'd like to uh, discuss or, or bring up, Dylan, uh, with anything that you've heard here, or anything more about uh, Panda or what you're uh, you're doing. Oh, um, sure. Uh, with Panda, we are implementing like full-scale um, our take-back teams. So we are hoping to have more and more uh, activists come to us and wanting help. And just to throw this out there, um, they can go get the resources that they need at pandaunite.org forward slash takeback. And an email will be sent to one of us on the take-back team, and we will get back with them as soon as possible. Besides that, I think I'm all right, unless you guys have any more questions. Okay, we'll uh, do that at the top. We'll get get with Kelly and then yourself, Dan, uh, or Dan Gray, (laughs) and then Cindy, and then if if you have any comments or questions, uh, we could do it that way. And uh, I may put some spatter of comments here and there as it goes, uh, because I know Kelly's been requesting that I I do a little bit more talking on the show, but uh, I'll just do it intermittently and, and maybe do some more for you, Kelly. Uh, I'll do my best, but I'm normally just trying to do some multitasking, make sure everyone uh, gets enough time here, and so I I wouldn't want to take away from that. But I'll work on it, Kelly, I promise. I promise you. But first, uh, let's go ahead and go back uh, to you, Kelly, and then, as I said, we'll go Dan and then Cindy, and then we'll uh, bring it back to Jeff. Go ahead, uh, Kelly. Well, I appreciate this. I'm really glad for the guests that have come on tonight, and I hope they uh, come on again. I... uh, So I don't violate the eighth deadly sandwich is hogging the microphone. I wanna I wanna hear more input from Cindy and of course Robert, you're kind of the silent type, but I, I wanna divert my time back to you guys just to get you to open up a little more. 
Yeah, well, Robert. Well, you said uh, you didn't have a lot of time with us, so let's go ahead and give you uh, what time you have left. Uh, just, you know, what, you know, what you've been up to and uh, anything else you'd like to add about either tonight's topic or anything just that. Well, you know, there's so much going on, it's hard to even pick a subject, but <clears throat> if you want to just, bear, you know, boil it all down to what's going here, what's going on here in my neighborhood <clears throat> and what people can do in other neighborhoods, we are in the process of getting on a program called WebElect, and um, this gives us a honest, true, if you've ever uh, walked precincts or called phones uh, during an election cycle uh, for any candidate or any party, you will notice that probably at least half, if not more, of the names on your list are no longer living at that address or do not any longer have that phone number. And uh, when you go walking around in your precinct and you keep in, in half of your time is wasted, it is a big deal. Um, so this WebElect gives us better uh, and more up-to-date information on the voters that are registered in our area. This kind of thing can also help us to fight voter fraud because now we know where the people really are and where they aren't, and we are reporting to our superintendent of elections uh, when someone has moved out of the area or <clears throat> has, you know, for some reason, I mean, they could have passed away, too. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, what, what we need, what we're doing is we have accurate information and what we, what we watch the super voters. And the super voters are the ones we want to make sure they get out to vote. Okay, and um, when when we can follow whether they have already um, voted early in early voting, or if they have, uh, you know, you know, sent in a uh, absentee ballot, then we don't bother calling them anymore. I remember when I was working for Newt's campaign, and I would go I was going all around the country calling people, walking precincts, holding signs. I, I ran into so many people that said, man, you guys keep calling us over and over and over again. I mean, you know, go somewhere else. <laughs> get, get somebody else. You know, I've already, I'm already on the program. You don't have to call me anymore, you know. And, and we don't want to aggravate people to the point where they just want to just turn us off completely and maybe not even go vote, you know. And um, so this WebElect stuff helps us to not badger people um, by, you know, doubling our efforts, tripling our efforts, and, you know, five of us are calling the same number, and uh, not only the candidate is, is calling, but we're calling, and um, and then maybe somebody from out of the state is calling, uh, our party, uh, ROPF, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Republican Party of Florida is calling, and then the... Uh, REC is calling, and, you know, it's just RNC is calling. So this helps us to watch the voter and and to help them, uh, to help us to communicate better with our people. And it also puts us, we have one person has a group of people on their list, 
and nobody else is allowed to call them. And they're my people, and I get to know them, and I call them all the time. I, I mean, all during the year, not just at election time. I call them all the time and say, have you noticed this uh, legislation that's coming up? Have you done anything about that? Do you have your senator's uh, phone number? Do you have your representative's phone number? And so you can have conversations with them and get them involved um, in the conversation. And then they can actually become a worker and work with you uh, when you get to know them. You know, Cindy, that's excellent. That's just what the Democrats have been doing very effectively. But we have Mm -hmm. to be careful and step up our game even more because the Democrats have a new tool. I have just, you know, I have ties in just about every camp that's out there. I know people who, some of them can tell me stuff openly. Some of them I have to meet with them off grid and they'll tell me what's going on. But the Democrats have a brand new tool. And this goes beyond, well, beyond. This, This is not even technology anymore. They have, it's, all right, I can describe what it looks like. It's, there's a board, and there are letters on the board, and there's this kind of triangular-shaped thing, and what they'll do is, is several of them will sit around in a darkened room with a candle and place their hands on it, and they can actually communicate with the dead, because after all, that's who's voting for them in the big cities. <laughs> the Ouija board, okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, all right, Dan. All right, Dan. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I know I know how many people are actually still on the list because uh, I worked a little bit with True the Vote, and um, my friend is uh, one of our leaders here of of the True the Vote uh, chapter, and I know that people are voting for dead people, and they are uh, asking for um, an absorbent amount of absentee value of, of absentee ballots and they're all going to the same address and you know something's wrong there and uh, you you have to pay attention or that stuff will just go right on by there it will just go right on bad there um, yeah there's no voter fraud at all wait wait <laughs> I, what was it somebody told me voter fraud is when an individual commits fraud votes in the wrong district votes when they're not entitled to votes more than once, but vote fraud is what I'm really scared of. I mean, there there is a lot of voter fraud. We've, we've come across this. Every state is, that's actually uh, trying to be honest is doing audits, and they're finding tens of thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of people who have voted in more than one state. They say they have a residence in two states. They get the uh, uh-huh. voter registration in two states. They vote in two yeah. states, which is absolutely not proper. But that's a drop in the bucket compared to vote fraud. I mean, um, here on the show, I've even heard, heard stories. Uh, and, and I know it's happened not where I live because it's too small and we know all the people here, but it's happened in a lot of big cities where people will and real quick, just Dan, I, I see that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. And I see that uh, Jeff has to, to roll soon. He's got some final comments uh, to make on top of what you guys are talking about and uh, give us a little uh synopsis little segue for next week. Go ahead, uh Jess. Thank you. Thanks, hey, Dan. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Dan. Uh, always good to hear you talk. Um I just wanted to share a quick little experience I had, you know, running as an independent for the US Senate here in Michigan. And um you know again I had to run as a write in candidate uh because of, you know, some of the awkward things that took place in the last few months here in Michigan 
for me. But um, just I haven't decided what to do about it yet. But I have the the official numbers for my own city are are greater numbers than actually got turned in as the official number for the county, which are greater numbers that actually got turned in to the actual state. And I have I have some counties where um, they completely didn't count any votes for me as a writing candidate because they said they they claimed they didn't know I was running and uh, didn't they, so they as far as I know they've been discarded um, but I don't know where I even want to go with it yet or do I even want to open up that can to me it's it's irrelevant whether it was one vote or or a hundred thousand votes. I would think, though, that if Americans found out that the county canvassers actually make the decision on whose votes count, I think we, I think uh, it would open up some amazing eyes. You know, well, real quick, yeah. Fredo, I make a comment on that. Real quick, Cindy, because I just for as a programming note, so to speak, uh, the live portion of the show will be uh, shutting down in about three minutes, folks. Uh, we will be going to the extended period, uh, which will be which will be recorded. And part of the podcast that will be available later. But if you want to listen to that uh, portion of the show or even chime into that portion of the show, you'll need to call in uh, the next three minutes, and that's 347-945-7428. If you'd just like to listen in, that's fine. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. But you need to call in the next three minutes to 347-945-7428. Uh, to listen to and be a part of the extended period. Uh, so thank you for letting me get that programming note out. Uh, Cindy, go ahead. Um, well, I for, well, oh, I forgot. <laughs> well, <laughs> was I was talking. I had, I had made mention about the, uh, you know, about I had county canvassers that did not count votes. Oh yeah. And so the the my local, even in my own district. Um, uh, we had we had some large team you know of people that came in to vote and their votes weren't what whether actually what happened all I know is this is that you know certainly what one person can tell me you know is that they voted or wrote my name in but you know knowing that it was a huge obstacle anyways but I'm telling you that there the process a county canvasser decides basically you know what votes count and what votes don't count and I think if Americans knew that there was, if there was one vote that didn't count, I think they'd be upset. You know, you you asked earlier, you know, should you do anything about it or just let it go or whatever? And I'm I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know, maybe you better do something about it to keep them uh, from just roughshodding over everybody else. I mean, this we you got to teach them a lesson that. Um, if they're going to be in that position, which is a position of of great responsibility, then they need to take that responsibility and act wisely and intelligently and informed. Um, and and they're not obviously they were either not informed, they did not inform themselves, or uh, they were nefar- they had nefarious reasons for not counting your votes. And you know, I think if you scare them a little bit. And, you know, then they know the next time they're not going to get away with that. There's something else you can do there on a practical matter besides uh, lawsuits or 
news stories or looking into the uh, circumstances of individual assessors to make certain that they're um, not really just lazy people or people who are crooked uh, or people who throw away votes um, just because the, the politicians don't want them to be counted. Uh, you can get your own assessors to be, um, you know, independents. Get people who are honest. But one of the best things to do is to replace everybody who is uh, crook, corrupt, or just goes along with the flow for whatever they can get out of it uh, on a local level, because you can do that. I mean, um, if I was interested or you were interested in running, you, you ran for a big office, it takes a lot of money, uh, a lot of work. Uh, it's a real uphill battle. You're fighting against real organization. But if you want to run in your township, your borough, your uh, small political subdivision, whatever that entity is, um, school board, uh, assessors, you can you can get on those things. You can go and take over your, your party committees. You bring in 10 people to a party committee, guess what? More than likely, you've got more than everybody else. And you just start voting yourselves into those offices, not with the intention of being corrupt or dishonest, but with the intention of running it correctly. As soon as you take it over, you look at what the rules are. If the rules are not fair and proper, you get rid of the rules. One thing that always bothered me is that these local committees would basically get marching orders from the state committees, which got marching orders from the national committees, and they would endorse and this makes a big difference. They would strongly endorse certain candidates or even talk down other candidates in a primary. And I personally want to see lots of information in a primary, but if we had honest primaries in this country, and not just for presidents and senators, but for every office, we'd get a lot of changes if we could actually have the facts on the people who are in and the facts on the people who are offering to, to get in we might make some very different choices. So I don't like it when they endorse anybody. I think that they should just keep their damn mouths shut. And one of the rules right now in most of the party committees is that, you know, you have to do what you're told. Uh, you can rewrite that rule. It's absolutely something that you have uh, all power to do. All you got to do is take it over. So if you're having a problem out there, and, and I'm pretty sure it's a problem everywhere, where the people who are deciding whether votes count aren't, deciding according to law, they aren't deciding according to equity and proper values, then they can be replaced. Uh, they, they're very comfortable in their positions, but nothing says they have to stay there. Well, yeah, again, you know, I think, uh, I do think that there's definitely an attack against the word grassroots, you know, and, and, you know, it, and it, and it's coming from, from top down, let alone from, you know, side to side, you know, it's it's a big enough battle. You know, for the, the things you have to do to accomplish just to get on the ballot as an independent, but let alone be fighting those battles. You know, uh, from from the bottom side of the hill to to the huge group on top of the hill. Um, you know, makes makes it a rough go. But I but this is part of the thing. I think we have to. It is part of education, and 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 so uh, if we can re-educate the voter and 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 get them from lever pullers and you know it's hard to say for all the things that happened in 2014 what the full effect of those will be so far i'm not impressed for the uh just for the last few occasions that i could i would i gladly applaud in the republican party 
Um, I'm still not convinced that that's just not show. And at the last minute, anybody can pull the rug or shut the door. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You you applaud the Republican Party for doing what? Well, I guess just the last few there there's been a there's been a few things that that look like they have some potential, you know, for to bring, you know, bring accusation, I guess, you know, if they decide to pursue a lawsuit, you know, hooray, but uh, you know, again, I I still think that, you know, JB is the worst thing that ever happened to America, probably worse than 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 uh than Mr. Obama. So BS, right? So, so, well, you know what? That so wasn't so JB, much a win. But they're certainly in bed together. It's it's pretty obvious right. to me. It wasn't so much yeah. a win for the Republican Party as it was a repudiation of the statists, which are uh, everyone identifies as the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. what a lot of people who are, are in that uh, mindset of saying, hey, we're going to rebel, they don't realize that what both organized parties have been co-opted and corrupted. The Democrats almost right. entirely. The Republicans not quite so much, but nearly so. Um, so when people say, oh, we want a third party, I tell them, look, you know what? If you've got uh, even Koch Brothers money, won't do it. Even if you had Koch Brothers money plus Warren Buffett money plus Bill Gates money, wouldn't do it. What you need is organization, and that takes time. Absolutely. So why not do what the progressives, sorry, the statists did? They took over the Democratic Party. It didn't used to be like that. And then they took over most of the Republican Party. The, as we were saying earlier with Dan Johnson, the same tools work no matter whether you're on the side of, of righteousness or the side of evil. Um, so you use those tools. We're taking back the Republican Party, and I have, I can't say anything. I won't say anything because there's people who are putting themselves in some serious jeopardy. But there are elements within the Democratic Party that I know personally – uh, here in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, New York, that are seriously unhappy, and they are not interested in becoming Republicans. What they're interested in doing is restoring the Democratic Party to one that respects the Constitution, and they don't think that the idea of an unfettered state that has complete power and authority to take everything you have and tell you everything you need to do is actually working. They want something different. And I think that, do you uh, that did, you're going to see some changes. Do they really there. think they can succeed? Well, they, and, and people have been think, saying that about you know what's been going on with the Republican Party. Do they truly think that they succeeding. can succeed? There's a lot of folks who are we asking are. for alternative parties because they don't think that the Republican Party is uh, going to be able to, to come back. And well, look, let me put the it most, most sad thing is that even if it's a minor party, um, they brand, they've come from the big parties. So it's party politics in general, and that's why, you know, again, I didn't realize how deep-rooted I am and grounded in the thoughts of being an independent. And, you know, so, and I just feel that that's, it's, I don't want to call the, I don't want the independents to become a party. I think that that's part of the problem. Party politics is exactly what's destroyed America. And so until we decide to take stand as an independent, um, and and if we're right or you know or you know in in left in philosophy, those things will expose themselves. And so it's the truth that we need to stand with, it rather than 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 party that's been already bought and paid for by you know through the through the lobbyists well, and activists. And let me point out something, no, though, Jeff and Dan. We we sat there and watched the uh, 2012 convention, and we we looked at this convention hall. 
and half the people in that convention hall were booing Boehner and their rules changes, and they and they were booing all the the way that the Ron Paul people had been treated, and and half the people in that room, and they knew it, leadership knew it, they knew that those people were rebelling against what they had just done, and yet. They were not afraid of them. They kept right on with their agenda. They squashed the grassroots, changed the rules to where now the power is from the top down, and, and it's like they didn't even care. They are not afraid of us. And, and that's because half that room did support them. You should have heard half that room. I, yeah. I couldn't believe that there were so many uninformed people in that room but they did not understand what the, the rules changes meant for them. They, it's the they did not of power, understand them. It's the blindness and, of power. That's what it is. And right away, right away, here comes McConnell with his, you know, fundraiser thing to, to, to prop up all the rhinos coming up in 2016, and it's all yeah. going to happen again. You watch. Absolutely. And if they no, give us, if they give us another candidate like Mitt Romney or God forbid, Mitt Romney again. Oh my God! But it's <laughs> more likely going to be. I can't imagine Mitt Romney be... winning it. <laughs> I can't imagine either. But anyway, I can't believe the it's... names that I've seen on the list, and it's like you got to be kidding hey guys, me. Guys, I'm going to have to get yeah. going. All right. Is this it? Is this it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hold on. Is this da- is this Dylan? Who is that? Yeah, this is Dylan. Yeah, we Dylan, appreciate it, Dylan. Thank uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's as long as. You have. I was hoping to be able to get some, some things uh, back over to you, but if, the, if things build up, <laughs> we try to get them all on. Uh, but yeah, we definitely like to have you back on the show at some point, Dylan. And d- yeah, give us some uh, parting words for you. And then also, uh, definitely, you know, since you know some folks here in Cincinnati, uh, send me an email, bardslogic at gmail dot com. And uh, right, let's, let's go ahead and give me some contact information, certainly. Yeah, you can contact me. Uh, my personal email, I don't care if it's out there. Um, this is the one I use the most commonly. Is uh, Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N, James Allen at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to check out the Panda website. And if you're interested in getting involved, hit the Take Back button and uh, submit a form. Or you can download the uh, packet yourself and get involved that way. Um, but besides that, guys, I'm out of here. So it was great having me. I really enjoyed it. You guys are awesome. Say the URL. Thanks, Dylan. Say well, the URL one more time. Thank you very much, Dan. What was it? Yeah, she uh, wants your email URL. address one more time. Oh, email? Uh, Dylan yeah. James Allen at gmail.com. Okay. And the, is, I mean, yeah. that's, that's your email. What about a website? Oh, pandaunite.org. Oh, okay. Pandaunite.org. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yep. Uh, this Panda is cute, everybody loves Pandas. <laughs> yeah, they're all fun. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kelly, no. here, I want to throw out some thoughts, if I may. Yeah, go ahead, Kelly. Um, yeah, oh my gosh, a whole bunch of thoughts. Um, if the Romulan runs <laughs> again... <laughs> Uh, he won't be facing a boo boo, but he'll be facing Hillary. Yes, um, Hillary. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, did you no, say no, Hillary? Pocahontas. 
Did you say Hillarag? Oh my gosh, that's terrible. No, no, it'll right. be Pocahontas. <laughs> po- Pocahontas. Okay, we're in we're in the after dark mode. All right. She's, um, she's not she's not really an Indian, you know, Elizabeth Warren. Okay. So she's Pocahontas. Yeah. So all right. So if if this is a big if, okay, if the Romulan and Hillary run, it could actually be a very good thing for America. Do you know why? Insider information. Woo-hoo, I'm do a little dance here. Libertarians are, are filed a lawsuit uh, regarding the Commission on Presidential Debates. And if they win and they're in, which uh, it's a long shot, if they win and they're in, neither the R or the D will be elected president. That's and a good point. It depends th- on who the candidate is. Oh, Gary Johnson, who's slam dunk and done, man. He'd get in, and I'd vote for him, except, well, he's actually changing his view on you know, gay uh, gay marriage. He's more like, well, let the states decide. He's finally, some of my influence through Judge Gray is finally getting to him. But anyway, so that is a big if, and we would see both of the lesser of two evils going down in flames, you know. And so the trick that they're doing on the Commission on Presidential Debates I'm suspicious of the trick. You know, they have the rules to be on the debate. So you got to at least attain the age of 35. Oh, that's really nice. That's kind of like the Constitution. Well, let's see what else. Um, you have to be registered in enough states that you actually could win. Okay, yeah, that's pretty fair. Okay. And you have to have 15% approval rating from three major polls. Okay, mm-hmm. Wait let's a see. Minute. You know, like Reuters or Gallup or whoever, three major polls. Wait a minute. <clears throat> People get calls from the polls. I never got. People are asked. They're asked this question when they get calls from the pollsters. Are you going to be voting for the Republican or the Democratic president? Neither. Oh, I'll just put you down as other. Oh, wait a minute. What other? You didn't ask Libertarian. You didn't ask Independent. You didn't ask Constitution. You didn't ask Green. Anything. You just other. Now, who sets up these contracts? Who pays? This is my suspicion. Who pays for? The Commission on Presidential Advertising pays. Yes, it does. But but advertising the pays for all of it. Who, who does the polls? Who pays for the polls? Boring work. Who would want to do it? I will bet my suspicion only the Republicans and the Democrats Hello? pay for the polling. What do they do when they pay for? The, they set up a contract. The contract says you will ask the American people, Republican, Democrat, or other. With some money comes a contract, comes the power, comes the control, and that's why you see only an R and D. And they could sit, they could, they could talk about. It's a physical appearance that does this. It's the physical appearance. They, one candidate can talk. Well, I think carrot cake is the best thing for America. No, I believe cheesecake. Vote for me. It's their physical appearance that fools the American people that no third party will ever arise. Now I want to go to the Democrats. Okay, democracy. Compl- uh, rhymes with hypocrisy. Oh, what do you know? Anyway, so I, I heard uh, Jeff, I think it was, who said that the Democrats are trying to get back into the Democratic Party because they want to get back to the Constitution. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. The socialists are too damn entrenched. It will not happen. Of course, they don't want to go to the Republicans. Why? Well, they're just capitalists. They pay their lobbyists to, uh, you know what? The Democrats do the same damn thing. Pay a lobbyist so that a bill is passed so some business makes an enormous amount of profit to which, once they make all this profit, they get their congressman reelected again. Both parties can do it. 
That is why but they are deceived, they are led to believe that only the Republicans do it, that the Democrats are saints in this regard. They're not. You're right, absolutely correct. Yeah, look at California. California has been what? California look has at all been the democratically controlled. I know. California has been democratically controlled in the state house legislature for a long time, and guess what? All these freaking building codes, fire sprinklers, are you your freaking mind? In your home? What if you're next to the fire department? Still need them. Somebody in the fire sprinkler industry has made tons of money. There are so many freaking um, capitalist tricks that Democrats are using constantly, particularly through the unions, too, to keep staying in power. Both parties do it. The only chance that the Democrats that love the Constitution, and yes, there are many of them, they, I'm sorry, go Republican or an independent party. It's just, it's so frustrating that all the lies and all the shenanigans coming from the top and at the, um, gosh, I'm just. That's why ah! you take over from the bottom, Kelly. That's why you go in to the small entities. You know, most parties, local party committees, Democrat and Republican, nobody runs for any of the offices. There are complete vacancies in most of these. In others, there's maybe five or seven people who've been doing it for 20, 30 years. If you have in your local area 10 people with another 10 who might get excited when you're doing something to join you, you can pretty much take them over. You take that over, and then you, when you have enough of those, you take your county over. What are they going to do? There's nobody left in the county to 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 uh, influence and corrupt from above. And then when you have your county, you can take your state or at least the region of your state. I mean, it's it that's the the, the solution. Everybody says we're looking for a, a leader, and yeah, we do need that charismatic communicator. We need somebody who can think on their feet, somebody who understands all of this stuff and can make decisions. Sure, but. We're not going to get the leader elected unless we have are also at the same time electing thousands, tens of thousands of offices across the entire country. We need to take back Washington, but we, are, we need to take back every single state capital, and that's not going to happen if we don't take back every single town. There's going to be very few places in this country if, we, if this wave, this, this, this great awakening of liberty continues as it is because we're well past 3% already, there's going to be very few places that are going to willingly say, and San Francisco might be one of them, that we really like socialism. We want this. And you know what? If that's what they want in their local entity, and they're not inflicting it on anybody else, more power to them. Let's, let's you, let the laboratory of democracy show just clearly the difference. Right now, there's failures all over the place of government. If there were a few places that were completely socialist and they failed, and then there's all these other places trying all these liberty-minded ideas, and many of them are succeeding, some wildly so, then you know, you're going to have people voting with their feet, and you're, you're, like they are going to Texas right now. And then you're also going to have people in, who, who want to stay in their home state saying, you know what, screw this. We want what they have. We want our own version of it. We want it here, and we want it now. Well, you know, I got to throw out something regarding a regional, local, and regional victory. I got a buddy in Michigan. He's a libertarian. Um, he's helping me with some grand jury things. Anyway, he's Brian, he's a libertarian, but he became a Republican. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 huh? What? What happened? And he even kept it from me until they had a massive victory. What they did there was they used a precinct strategy. When you get elected, 
it's really easy to become a precinct captain. You just can't, you know, it's basically a block or two. Knock on doors, hi, I'm such and such. They don't even know the precinct. A lot of times you even run a pose. You get into the party that way, the party structure, if you will, you know, back behind the scene thing. And that's what they did. And when they went to state mm-hmm. convention, um, was last year, yeah, what they did was they, the liberty-minded people outnumbered the establishment Republicans two to one. It was so bad, so powerful, so strong that the <clears throat> RNC chair of Michigan from that region didn't get elected to go to the state convention. The governor was in the same region. He did not get elected to go to the state convention. This is how powerful they were on local precinct strategy and making it happen. That's it. That's what does it. Let's see, folks. And I think I've, uh, I believe we may have lost Jeff. Um, so he can't hear anything on the line, but we will see him uh, to talk more with him uh, next week. Uh, so we'll hear more about that. What he was talking about earlier tonight. Uh, pretty excited about it, and uh, we'll uh, you know go from there. So look forward to hearing more of Jeff next week. There you go. Well, I think I think I just heard something monumental happen a little while ago. Dan and Kelly both were speechless. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. I don't know how that. Wow! Happened. What? What? How did that happen? I don't know, but there's this big bed spot, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Neither one of them has anything to say. <laughs> uh, well, you guys, I tell you what, I gotta go. But let me just say this in parting. Um, I I. I'm going to try to keep working here with the Republican Party as as long as I think it's viable here in my own community. Um, but if if national leadership totally shuts me out of the process, I will have nothing to do with their uh, so-called candidate that they're going to coronate. And uh, I will strictly work on my local elections people that I know personally, and I know that they're going to do a good job. I'm going to spend my time on that, and I'm not going to spend any money uh, on the RNC. I'm not going to spend any money on their candidates because I know what their agenda is. I am one of those people that is not fooled by their agenda, and uh, I'm not going to have it. I won't be manipulated, um, and I'm going to work right here in my own local area. And I hope you guys will continue doing that, too, because I know y'all are doing it, too. So uh, let's keep up the good work, guys. Well, thanks, Thank Cindy. It's great to hear from you. Are, you. are you back in Florida now? Yeah, I'm here now, yeah. But i got to leave. Okay, for, so now you're in Texas for a while. In uh, March, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in North Carolina because my daughter, who's in the master's uh, program there in uh, uh, UNC at Charlotte, She's going to have to go out of town to do a couple of things for her master's degree, and I have to watch her boys. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time up there. I don't know how I'm going to find the time to do that, but somehow I got to. 
Well, I'm going to be in Florida in July, so perhaps we'll oh. be able to uh, meet up again. Yeah, I'm going to go down to visit my brother again uh, down cool. there. Uh, and, uh, I believe it's the week after the 4th of July. Is uh, take a little family vacation. It's uh, what we're well due for one. So we're going to go visit my brother down in, in Florida uh, the week after the 4th of July. Okay. Well, you should come up here, and I'll teach you how to ski. No, <laughs> uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not much of a skier. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. I don't know if I ever would. Well, it'll be good to see you, kiddo. Do, do you go skiing Yeah, that's a good question. How it... do you ski in Florida? Oh, water ski. No, no, no. Water ski. Yes, water ski. Oh, water oh. ski. Yeah, no, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get me water skiing. You oh, might be able to get. On. You might be able to talk my daughter into it, but you, she's way more adventurous than I am. So you might be able to. You might be able to get my daughter to do it. But she won't be able to get me to do it. <laughs> Aw, <laughs> well, that's all right. Oh, she's yeah. My daughter's okay, very sure. adventurous. Well, tell her to come so, on. Yes, yes, and she may. And so, well, uh, well, Cindy, uh, yeah, it would be, be great to, to have you back on. I know you said. Uh, now you still got to go, or you be able to stay for yeah. a little bit longer? Well, I'll, I'll hang on, but I won't be able to talk much. I, I've got a, some last-minute things I've got to do before I head upstairs, and so, um, you know, I can listen, but I probably won't be concentrating too well. <laughs> no, no problem. Well, okay. Well, I see. I seen Harriet on the line, but I think she was just listening. Seen Harriet on the line. I think she was just listening. As well, uh, but she's uh, since since left uh, for this evening as well. Uh, so looks like uh, she's doing it off. I'd like to have been able to hear from Harriet. I'll have to message her sometime and see when uh, uh, what next time she'd like to chime in because I do see her out there uh, promoting the uh, show, and I really appreciate that, Harriet. Uh, you doing so? And for those also listening here on the archives, uh, definitely we appreciate you just sharing the link with uh, folks there. Uh, either on Facebook or Twitter or just to email folks because all the episodes, uh, we've mentioned a couple of them tonight, uh, are podcast uh, for your convenience uh, for later viewing so you can listen to it uh, at your leisure. So I do see it is about the bottom of the hour, so we've uh, got got some time left uh, so we can continue on uh, with discussion, either uh, anything we were discussing tonight or if anyone wants to bring in uh, something new. I know uh, we, we're going to have another guest on uh, that you and I have been working on, Dan, that's Butch, uh, but he's got some other considerations uh, that he's got to look at, but we will, are still working on uh, having him on the show about uh, the court case that he's dealing with, some powers that be, uh, but we want to make sure that uh, having him on the show is not going to be any kind of detriment to his uh, his case. So we'll uh, be working more on having him on. And just as a program, uh, another program note is that I've been trying to get the communications director of the Girl Scouts on because, uh, once again, it is Girl Scout cookie time. Uh, so, you know, I'm selling this Girl Scout cookies for my daughter, trying to be supportive of her. But, of course, we had a discussion last year about the possible link uh, between the Girl Scouts and Planned Parenthood. So I was trying to get – her on the show, Miss um, um, Parisi, 
uh, on the show to uh, talk about it. But unfortunately, uh, the messages and the emails uh, that I have sent to her have not been answered. I don't know if that's just because she's inundated with. Uh, mm. they, I, yeah. May I make a suggestion? <laughs> inundated or she's just ignoring it, uh, which I kind of think is uh, the more likely case is that uh, she just doesn't want to talk about it. I know she did interviews and things of that nature last year on the subject when they were talking about a boycott of uh, the Girl Scout cookies um, well, you know, because actually, of the I, possible. We used to be Girl Scouts. Go ahead, Dan. We used to, well, I mean, I was an adult volunteer. My wife was a Girl Scout leader because we had a girl. And if we had a boy, we would have done the Boy Scouts like I did when I was a boy. Um, but there are groups now that are actually doing the same thing that Girl Scouts traditionally did. And they're not doing any of the other stuff that Girl Scouts has been adding in the last few years. And uh, if you were to ask any of the, I think there's three major groups in this country right now who are doing this. I don't have the details at my fingertips, but it'd be pretty easy to find. If you were to ask any of them to come on and explain what it is that they think scouting should be about and uh, what they offer the girls and what they liked about Girl Scouts in the past and what they don't like about it now, they could probably tell you the whole story in detail. As I said, my, my kid's the same age as uh, Dan and Dylan. Um, so it's been a while since we did the Girl Scouts. Um, and they, the changes have come on a national level, and there are still a lot of good, solid Girl Scout troops on a local level. It really does depend on the scout leader. They don't have to go with that, that progressive status crap. But a lot of them are, especially in the more urban areas. So, you know, uh, maybe I can help you find some of those names. Let me look on the web. Yeah, definitely. I'd just like to have those uh, have them on. I'm looking right now. Frontier Girls, American Heritage Girls. I've heard uh, of American Heritage Scout. Girls. Yeah, I put in Girl Scout Alternatives on Bing, and thankfully, I have my filter on because I'm not really sure. You know, I could come up with all kinds of weirdness. Um, but uh, American Heritage, Frontier, um, and uh, there may be some others. Uh, but there's a whole lot of information out there on this. And I'll bet you anything that they'd be willing to send somebody. They have, uh, they'll yeah, have to contact I, I... us. Yeah, and I have an aunt who they had her daughters, her daughter do the, or maybe daughters, I can't remember, uh, do the um, heritage. They're in Cincinnati. They are located on Tri County Parkway in Cincinnati, Ohio. They got a phone, a fax, a contact us. Um, they have staff directory. I think these might be your best bet because it's local and you've got a connection. And you know what? They do offer the same sort of thing, which is uh, badge programs so that girls can learn skills to become better citizens, better adults, to uh, to be able to do all kinds of things, to be uh, have self-esteem not based on, uh, oh, you're just a great person, but you can do things. You, you're capable. And that that camaraderie that the girls have when they work on something together, and the service projects, helping other people. I think that's awesome. Um, and that's, it's a shame. I don't blame uh, the girls. I don't blame the parents. Um, 
what happened was the same thing with the Boy Scouts, same thing with the Democratic and Republican Party and the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, the Catholic Church for that matter. In fact, the Episcopalian Church and uh, the, you know, organized Jewish uh, synagogue community for the reform movement. And uh, it all down the line, uh, they just, the, the other side infiltrated some people in there and offered them the usual deal, which is uh, occasionally they'll do protests, but mostly it's, hey, we've got money. And take some money. And there's a little string attached. And the next thing you know, the string attached is you've got to put our people on your board, and the next thing you know, that's all you've got on the board, and they make some sweeping changes. Um, and some of the, the... This is how Common Core happened. It's not because the kids want to be dumbed down or the parents want to be, them to be dumbed down or the teachers are really in favor. They didn't ask any teachers uh, when they put Common Core together, hey, could you give us a program that will work better or in this case much worse? It was from the top. They, they, they knew they couldn't do a grassroots movement because nobody in the grassroots is going to sign on to this crap. Look, I've got a friend uh, I work with. Uh, there's union steward elections coming up. And uh, I can't be in there because, you know, I sued him. I'm no longer a member. But uh, she's one of those organizers that gets to go uh, get leave from work, and she goes out every election and works for the union to try and elect uh, idiots, basically. Um, and there's a woman with a good heart, and her mind's not completely soggy. I mean, she she thinks, and she's getting a little fed up with these people. I mean... She wants social justice. She thinks she knows what that is. What she really wants is justice. She wants individual justice. She wants people to be treated fairly, decently. And she's getting the idea, finally, that the, the, uh, um, that the idea that big entities and governments are not going to be able to promise what they deliver. They delivered quite the opposite. Um, now, she's not in favor of their big programs, and she was really disheartened because every election cycle she goes out, less and less people buy the bullshit. They can't get people to show up if they pay them. So I'm looking at our stuff, you know, the patriot side of things, and that includes honest leftists as well as honest rightists and center-of-the-road people and just some single-issue-oriented people. And every time I turn around, there's more and more rallies, petitions, uh, you know, political movements, uh, social movements, where with more and more people, you know, it used to be nothing would happen. And this year I've been seeing, okay, we went out there on a cold day and we had three people. We put our thing up and, and they're still uh, of good cheer and they're putting out that they're out there and we're going to be out there next weekend. And I'm looking at the pictures and there's 13 people. And the weekend after that, there's 26 people. Then the weather starts to get just a little bit warmer, and 50 or 70 people show up. And I cannot wait for the summer. There's any no end of things that are going to be happening. Nothing succeeds like success. And if you want the grassroots to, to join in, then they've got to want to join in. And they've got to have a reason for it. It's got to have something that affects their lives directly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, girls or your, your own child or your own, uh, you know, boy or girl, there's a reason. And groups like American Heritage Girls are growing by leaps and bounds, even though they get very little press and it's all Girl Scouts and Girl Scout cookies. Um, Let's face it, Girl Scouts of America as an organization 
isn't going to last very long unless they reform back to what they're supposed to be, which is leave all that politics and sex crap out. That's not what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be about. They're little girls. And I'm, I'm guilty yeah, of that. Yeah, definitely. Of that, I uh, mean, it's, you know, and it's said, the, the, big reason, the big reason I had her join was just uh, the immense participation rates uh, at her school was 97%. And, and it's almost if you weren't a Girl Scout at this at her school, uh, and you're you're almost a pariah. I mean, seriously, it's it's unbelievable. I'm looking at the, uh, let's see, uh, this particular American Heritage: Cincinnati, Dallas, Fort Worth, Indianapolis, Louisville, Northern Virginia. Um, looks like they're growing. They weren't there just a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, it's just, I mean, she'll be probably, you know, I, I don't know if she'll be doing Girl Scouts once she reaches high school. So she only has this year and then next year where she's going to uh, to be there, at, um, uh, to be in there. So, you know, once she reaches high school, I'm sure she'll be too busy. There'll be so, uh, you know, so many more activities that uh, she'll be doing uh, with, with high school to, uh, you know, get involved, make friends, things of that nature. So it's probably what we'll do. Well, I'm not trying to suggest, uh, you know, a, a change for your daughter. I'm just suggesting that maybe if the Girl Scouts, after your undoubtedly polite blandishments and inducements and invitations, are unwilling to even return your emails, there are other groups out there that would probably be anxious yeah. to come on here and tell you everything. Yeah, sounds good, and I would uh, yeah definitely welcome that. It'd be interesting to have them on, get their perspectives, uh, and see what their thoughts um, of the organization and how they're different. Uh, so that'd be inter- definitely be interested to see. Just an idea. So Kelly, uh, you still there? We still got you. Yeah, right here. Bob, Robert, Dan. Hi, um, <laughs> Dan. There we so, go. You know, that, that Dan, Dan, Dan thing with the Monty Python skits, there was a soccer team and everybody's name was Bruce. And, oh, this is David. Oh, no, 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 no. You cannot be David. Everyone else is named Bruce. You must name your name to Bruce. All right. Anyway, um, let's see. You know what's really kind of interesting? Because I thought about a local Boy Scout chapter when a woman was... Uh, Troopmaster and took the kids camping, and my my buddy was so frustrated with the, the whole troopmaster and everything, and I was like, "What?" I'm wondering if <clears throat> the commie libs have infiltrated these groups. Yeah, and done some well, strange things. Well, about well one thing that always baffled me, is, and, and you made a, and you made a point, uh, Kelly, that you know kind of baffles me. I mean, I guess it's just with our, you know, society today and culture is that you can have a female, and this is we're supposed to be an equal society, right? Uh, but you can have a a female, I guess, den uh, leader, you know, for the Boy Scouts, but you can't have a male be a scout leader. Or even if it's a true scout leader with uh, with another woman, so you know I'm not. But always baffled. Well, not, 
I mean, I guess I could see it, but, you know, you talk, you know, I just, I don't know. I guess it just kind of bothered me where, you know, things are supposed to be equal now, you know, between the sexes here in the United States, and then you have a disparity where, you know, a woman can be, you know, a den master, but you can't have a man be, you know, I guess a, a troop leader well, you know, this is or a even a co-troop leader or something of that nature. Robert, seriously, if you think about it, it's a topic for another program. The gender disparity in this country isn't what the um, so-called left would have us think it is. Uh, the gender disparity is more that, uh, um, let's see, if you're a mother, you are far more likely in a divorce. Uh, and I'm not in favor yeah. of divorce or split up families or anything, but it, what's best for the child is supposed to be the judge's uh, prime goal but you're far more likely to get custody than the father, no matter what your circumstances are, monetarily, mm-hmm. or whether you've had problems or anything else. Um, same thing with uh, alimony, and uh, the same thing with, um, oh, geez, Child's well, course. this is a messed up one, but uh, my wife was forced me to watch, if I want to be in the room with her, uh, part of that SVU, uh, one of those law and order boring things that... that some people like to watch. A lot of people like to watch it, apparently. But uh, yeah, I'm not too great for fun of this myself. Well, whatever. It dealt with rape issues, and, uh, and you know who's believable. Um, obviously, you know there's that. If it's a he said, she said, the problem is that uh, they don't look at facts most of the time. Um, and I'm not saying that it's we need to change anything. I'm not denying that these things happen. Certainly. Don't attack me for this, anybody out there. But uh, there are false accusations, too. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. in in any kind of crime, especially one without uh, particular witnesses or or evidence. Um, And in fact, uh, if you look at the opposite side of it, which is just as unjust, if not more, in in, uh, Sharia law, uh, you cannot be raped if you're a woman unless there are three Muslim men who are witnesses to the rape and not party to it. And, of course, if you weren't dragged kicking and screaming from your house with your you know, full coverage on, if you happen to be out like wearing pants and driving a car, well, obviously you asked for it. So there's a lot of gender issues still ongoing. Some of them, I have to say, in my opinion, are things we can cope with and deal with. I mean, I have women bosses, and they're just as bad as the men bosses I ever had. <laughs> and, well, I, there's, I, 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 my boss right now is a female, and I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, she's fine so far, <laughs> you know. Well, um, is, you know, the so, thing is there are things that uh, you can't say is a male thing or a woman thing. If you look at the cooking shows, um, there's plenty of guys who can cook, plenty of women who can cook, plenty of people who can't. The same thing with driving a truck. Um then there again, if you look at what just happened with the Marine Corps, um, the Obama administration insisted that the Marines had to allow women into their combat divisions. And right. they even made the, the uh, qualification tests easier. And not, today, the last one dropped, and they can't pass them. Um, let's face it, uh, an Olympic athlete would have a hard time passing it if it's a woman. But... Not you wouldn't have to be all that uh, far above average as a guy to be able to do it. Um, there's just some things that are different, and we have right. to acknowledge those things hey, without hey, saying uh, that, that one is better than another. I don't like the idea that um, they can say that a woman's body is sacred 
and that a woman has the right to choose what goes on with her body, which I don't disagree with at all. A person has the right to decide what's going on with their body, but that they can use that as a justification for abortion and totally discount the idea that there's a human being who has separate DNA from the mother and the father and who has a body and has absolutely no say in anything. No one can be their advocate. Not even the 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 other family members, not even the father of the, the child, not the state, not well, anybody. Well, yeah, and that's another and that's another point. Uh, I know we're getting you know getting off topic, but that's okay. Uh, but you know, another point is, you know, a man has no say whether a you know woman can get an abortion or not. But yet, as soon as that child's born, the court wants to come to him for the paternity and say, okay, well, this child is yours, even if what you know, if, let's say. You, per se, you're not with the mother, but then you got to, you know, now I think if a man should pay child support and, and, and things of that nature. I mean, well, I, you know, I'm not saying that, that is, they should, and they definitely so should, bizarre. but what I'm saying is that they, they don't have a say in what happens while she's pregnant, but, you the, but they want to go ahead and throw somebody in jail or fine them or whatever for not paying child support, and, and now all of a sudden, now they're responsible. And now they have but a wait, say in things, or at least responsibility in things. Thing. Um, if you're married and your wife has a baby with somebody else, you're married, you're responsible for that baby. Now, it's true, legally, you have to pay. doesn't matter if you know and, and find out that, you know, it's, hey, it's this other guy's kid. Um, I'm not saying what the right moral thing is. I'm just saying legally. Now, if mm-hmm. you're unmarried... Actually, uh, <clears throat> paternity tests, well, every state is different, but... California, you do a paternity test, and you can um, avoid payment when obviously it's somebody else's child. Even if you're married. Even if they're married. Well, if they were married and then they went through a divorce, not ah, sure. You have to if, go through the divorce. I'm sorry, I went through this. All right. Anyway, um, you can do so during divorce. Uh, is the kid yours or not? Um, you do a paternity test, show the court, and you're like, um, yeah, you don't have to do any support for that one. Well, how about this one in Pennsylvania, at least? If, uh, well, you know, if there's, you something, are... there's something amazing that's been happening over the last um, decade, really, slowly. Um, in the, uh, this, this, the psychologist, the studies, the university studies on children, children's best interests, 30% of the men are, are, are single dads, and they have full custody. They've also found out that dad is equally as important as the mom. Of course. That is a yeah. stunning thing that they have finally realized. Yeah. Well, here in Pennsylvania, uh, this is a friend of mine's going through this. Um, she married a guy uh, or had a kid with a guy. They weren't married, but the, it's clearly his, and he admits it. And he was a real good guy with jobs, and then he got into drugs, and now he's no longer a real good guy, and uh, he's a jerk. Um, Maybe if he ever got off the drugs, it would do something, but that doesn't seem to be what he wants to do. Uh, In any case, he owes child support. And you can get locked up if you don't pay your child support. But, of course, if you're locked up, you don't owe child support. Does that that mean, wait, what? It's, it's like the law is deliberately designed 
to frustrate people. I mean, and I'm not saying this all is in favor of fathers. I'm not saying because I'm a guy, everything's best for fathers or should be better for fathers. There's a lot of moms who are just screwed over by the system, too. I know lots and lots of single moms who get no help at all. In fact, they get nothing but a runaround. And those of them who have actually had to go through the system and get help that way, like through welfare or whatever, child support uh, payments in court, go through trying to get uh, daycare um, or, mm-hmm. or health care for their kids. Good Lord, they hated the experience. The, the, the one thing that almost all of them have decided on is that uh, the best thing possible, better than a guy, better than the government, better than anything, is a, a good job. I mean, but this whole country is is so screwed up with the laws. Maybe if we had less laws and a little bit more justice and equity, you know. There's another thing too, um, and we've come we've, we've dealt with this in the past on this show. The idea of shame. If you behave properly in the old days, um, and this is the way it should be again in the new day, days. But if you behave in a, in a, a a good manner. You're an upstanding person. You, you help out. You do something good. And I'm not just talking about heroism, you know, like going into a burning building. I mean, you, you do something good to help your community. Uh, people would honor you with respect. There's a tip of the hat. There's a, a look in the eye that says, yeah, you know what, I, I really respect you. I admire you. Um, on the other hand, if you were a drunkard, if you beat your wife, if you drank your, your paycheck away, if you were a jerk, uh, they just there was a look in the eye that says, you know what, I don't have a heck of a lot of respect for you. Not hatred, mm-hmm. not despising, but just like clean up your act. We're not buying your crap. Yeah, disgust, I'd like maybe. to see that. Well, that's, that's really the way it's supposed to be. You know, I, I got to tell you something. I woke up this morning. Oh, gee, that's really important. I woke up. Oh, anyway, I was, I, um, I had a dream. Nah, okay, where to start this? I had this thought in my head, okay? And I, I couldn't get it out of his, I'm on my mind, even when I hit the snooze button. Liberty is an absolute important thing. And how do we, how do, uh, you know, but in liberty, when people exercise their liberties, there will be pain upon others. The motivations might be anywhere from ignorance to they didn't understand to full intention or full intentional cold-blooded murder. Now, do we stop people from exercising their liberties by passing laws restricting liberties? You can't. It doesn't work. John Adams said, there's no law that will bridle the passions of the human heart, either love or hate, of course. So liberty can't, you, you can't stop it. You can pass laws, legislators can try, but that doesn't work. Now, the justice system, on the other hand, <clears throat> justice only deals Kelly? I was listening. You got one with just me or stop hearing him? No. Is he still? Is his line no, still I, open? I still see him. I think he hit the mute button. I know one of us. The same thing that happened with Jeff. Jeff said he could, after a time he couldn't hear anything. Oh, no, his phone just uh, died out. That's the second person that happened to. First, that happened to 
uh, Jeff, and then it looks like it just happened to Kelly. It got a uh, this message. Well, Kelly, uh, I appreciate it uh, giving me the message. I'll uh, text him when we get off the line here, off the show. But I do see there's only 10 minutes left of uh, the show as it is, so uh, we could go ahead and just uh, finish some things off uh, with some parting comments, Dan, and uh, go ahead, and then, then I'll go ahead and close things up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Where do we go from here? Um, how would I wrap this Good all class. up? How about this? We're always talking about liberty. Liberty means different things to different people. Um, as long as you're not inflicting your idea of liberty on somebody else, which is not liberty, then you have the right, you have the, the God-given natural right to do as you want. Some people are going to want to smoke or drink. Some people aren't going to want to do either. Some people are going to, go to, going to want to be straight. Some people are going to be, want to be gay. Some will want to marry. Some won't. Some will want to have kids. Some won't. Some will be good parents. Some won't. It doesn't matter. What matters is that the government or any group, a church, no group can have the authority and the wisdom to control someone else's life for their benefit without causing misery and suffering. And more than that, restricting the natural creativity that every single person brings to bear. In fact, a lot of people who fail, fail as parents, fail as business people, fail as anything, um, get better because as long as they're rededicating themselves to their efforts, uh, a failure doesn't have to be a failure. And that's something I'd like all of you to think of out there. Uh, we've had a lot of, of missteps in the liberty movement. We just had this wonderful goal line stand in 2014 where we held the line against statives and we really, really elected a wave of people in there from the Republican Party, many of whom aren't really for liberty, but enough of them are. Yeah. And we've got to hold their feet to the fire and remind them that the, the, especially the newer ones that just got in or the older ones who barely got in, that we can get rid of them just as easily. And we've got to prepare. This year there are some significant elections in every state, even though it's an off-year election, mm -hmm. and there's plenty of other individual movements that require our activities. 2016 is going to be the big one. where They're going to really start to take things back, or I don't know what will happen. I'm very positive about this, but that doesn't mean that we have any room to slack or lay off the, the, at all. We have to push. Yeah, nothing's a given. Nothing is a given. So whatever it is you're doing, redouble your efforts. And if you're already maxed out, start recruiting some other people. Start training them. They're, it's wonderful to see groups like Solutions Institute coming online uh, because as you come up with these new ideas, uh, maybe you've never organized anything before. Why reinvent the wheel? I mean, your new ideas are great, but maybe what somebody else has already figured out from studying what everybody's done in the past might be very helpful to you. So, anyway, that's my two cents. And very good indeed. And then, of course, we look forward to uh, next Wednesday, which I can't believe is already going to be February 4th. Um, and uh, with Jeff Jones. And uh, I want to thank everybody, of course, uh, for listening to the show. And uh, please uh, save the iPad, or iPad, the, wow, it's been a long day, the uh, podcast, and, of course, uh, share the link with your friends so that they can listen to uh, the show as well and learn more about uh, the different organizations and, of course, the organization tonight. 
which was the Solutions Institute. And uh, check it out at solutions-institute.org and check out the website, especially if you are a grassroots activist uh, yourself. But I'm going to ask you uh, this real quick question from you, Dan. Who are you voting for on Sunday? Voting for on Sunday? What's what's up on Sunday? The Super Bowl. <laughs> what's that? No, I know what Understood. Um, I could literally... I don't think I could care less which overpaid group of uh, large men uh, pouncing around after a deflated ball in a hyped up, (laughs) absolutely poorly officiated, run by a monopoly that's given special government. Oh, I could go on and on. Look, I played some football. I enjoy the sport. I like sports. And for those people out there who think that they're going to really have a great time and it matters watching uh, um, the stupid Super Bowl, I'm sorry, I'll say it. I hope you're not too offended. You don't think I'm too much of a wimp or anything. But you want a blood sport, get involved in politics. Wearing your team's colors is not the win. And talking about, oh, they'll always be next year. No, you know what? 50% 50% plus one. It's a zero-sum game, winner take all. All bets are off. The rules don't matter because you get to make the rules. And if you break them and you get away with it, you got away with it. That's the way politics works. It works for the left, it works for the right, and it works for you, but only if you... Oop, did we lose you now, Dan? No, I'm here. Okay, there's a little part that I missed. Uh, but unfortunately, I do have to close things out. That was a good way of, of doing it. I'm watching the Super Bowl because I have a uh, bunch of friends over uh, to watch it, but we mainly like to watch the Super Bowl, frankly, for the funny commercials that they usually put on during the Super Bowl. So that's <laughs> that's what I enjoy uh, with the Super Bowl. But I will end uh, tonight, uh, as I do uh, every night, and that is, of course, uh, with a song by Aubrey Ashburn, and you can hear more of her music by going to AubreyAshburn.com. And so thanks, everyone. Have a good night and a great week. And we will see you later. Take care and good night. Good night. Thank you.